0: You're listening to the Hotard Huddle Podcast, presented by me, Michael Hotard. Check it out as we dive into sports, movies, music, TV, and more. This is the Hotard Huddle Podcast. Bringing in, it's time for another episode of the Hotard Huddle Podcast. I'm your host, Michael Hotard. This is a special episode because... I posted a video for Facebook uh, talking about the Super Bowl. The reason this is special, this is an all-football NFL sort of edition. Now, we are going to touch on some other topics along the way, uh, but we're primarily focusing on Super Bowl, what's transpired this season in the NFL. Plenty of good storylines. Uh, we're going to dive into, obviously, the big Super Bowl matchup coming up Sunday between the Chiefs and the 49ers. Um, we're going to talk about Brady and Breeze, what they're going to do this offseason. Recently, Brady posted sort of a cryptic photo on Instagram. We'll see what that means. Lamar Jackson obviously taking the NFL world by storm this season. Uh, although it hasn't been announced, I think it's safe to say he's the clear-cut MVP, so we'll dive into that. Antonio Brown bringing in a lot of unwanted attention and just dumbfounded bullshit throughout his whole you know, season, basically. We're going to touch on LSU, some Saints, get into the locals, and then, of course, the Pelicans and Zion. Uh, And we're actually going to start this episode with a basketball topic. But before we do that, joining me is my buddy, Cortland Taylor. I'm excited to have this dude on because we're going back to the roots here. Cortland and I hosted a college radio show uh, when we were at the Nickel State University. Did this for two years running on KNSU. It was a daily sports talk show. He and I had a lot of fun between the fan poll Fridays, the debates, everything in between. So, Cortland, dude, I am pumped to have you back on the airwaves with dude, me. Man. I am
1: so excited. I'm sitting here just did it up and just teased <laughs> up. You know, it's just been so long. I, I was looking I was looking at some old photos. and I had to do dive back on instagram man like five six years ago when, yeah, I was like, dude. when was the last time i've been on the radio it's been seven years yep uh it's been a long time coming i'm back i'm excited uh hanging with my guy mike that's where it's all started at and i'm uh i'm excited to be back man. hell man. yeah
0: man and you know it's funny because Cortland courtland hits me up um earlier this week we're recording this on a friday night he hits me up and he says yo dude what you think about doing a Super Bowl preview? And without hesitation, I'm like, uh oh, fuck yes, dude! Like we haven't gotten to do this in so damn long, so of course I'm about it." And especially
1: the uncensored version. I oh, guess you can yeah. call it that. I yeah, mean, we
0: we don't have to worry about hitting dump if we curse. Yeah, it's great. Yeah, uh,
1: no KNSU uh, wavelengths, man. I enjoy them, man. Oh, but, absolutely. Dude, that's man. where we all started. You know, yeah. that's that's where the friendship started. That's where a lot of things started. You know, going back to everything. Walked in your wedding, you know. It's been it's been a charm. Just starting off on a radio show, we, dude. Think about the memories we had at Nichols. We were just sitting in the, uh, in the apartment playing Mario Party, uh, you Getting know. That NCAA, <laughs> NCAA, in here, you know, just 2K, anything the, in the whole past time at camp, you know, and. It was really some good bonding time we spent together, and that was awesome, you know. And, well, uh, dude,
0: when you're when you and I, you know, when we're the video guys during fall camp, these guys are in meetings constantly. You know, you'd have two a day practices, but you and I, after we cut up the video, plenty of downtime. So it was time. usually we're free by, you know, four or five o'clock. So it's like, all right, what do we do now? It's an empty campus. Let's go get. A couple of six-packs of Bud Light Platinum. Yes, we used to drink that awful shit. And then, all right, let's play some video games till 2 a.m. and wake up for 8 a.m. practice, man. And that was the life. Yep,
1: man, it did the job. You know, like, you're broke college, students, You're not really getting much money or anything out of this. You're just going in there and hoping to have a great time. And, you know,
0: that's what it ended up being. You know, we had a great time. That's... And then Shit. and then once I found out I had, you know, the radio show to myself and everything, I needed a co-host, so I'm like, well, dude, you and I have gotten along good, let's do this radio show together, and we did, dude, it was a lot of fun, so diving right into this, um, first topic we're going to start with, we are going to go away from football and start with some basketball, and we're not going to take too much time, because most of the stuff that needs to be said has been said on this, but... I know you're a big Kobe Bryant fan, you're a Lakers fan, and obviously we all know the tragedy what happened with uh him on the helicopter as well as his daughter Gianna and uh seven other people that lost their lives. It's dude, when I first saw it, it's tough not to get emotional about it because and I and I mean I can feel the emotion coming through right now, but, dude, I sat and cried about that multiple times since it happened, just because the way it happened, how it happened, and then also, as selfish as it may sound, I mean, that's a part of our childhood and part of our love for the game of sports. He had such a footprint on not just basketball, but the sports world, Mamba mentality, that killer instinct, and he's just been such a beacon of doing things the right way of course after you know what transpired early on with the alleged rape case but dude he's been unbelievable and it's truly just a sad sad story but the other side of it too it's hard to feel bad about it sometimes too just because mamba mentality baby move on and you know he'd want that
1: well you know the thing is about mamba mentality Mike it's been instilled in so many competitors. I mean, regardless if it's on a basketball court, the football field, the soccer field, you know, track, uh tennis, golf, you know, think of the, like and the reason why I'm saying those sports because you look at the icons around the world, he touched so many.
0: Without a doubt. Uh, it,
1: it, it didn't really matter whether it was in Alabama or the Philippines or China or New York. Those people really felt that. And you know, me being a girl dad and, you know, you you have a girl in a way, yeah. You uh, you feel a, t- a certain type of way about everything, yeah. You know, now and it's just when you have children, your perspective changes. You no longer live for yourself,
0: absolutely. Um,
1: you know, and, and you put things in perspective to where every day you wish you can just better those kids' life in whatever way you can. And Kobe was a true model of that, and he showed what you know true fatherhood was about. He showed you what competitiveness was. You know, he, he built, I feel like he built the word competitiveness. I, I felt like he built, you know, he was the ultimate competitor. I feel like if you build someone in their lab, he'd come out Kobe Bryant, you know, as the ultimate competitor.
0: And the and other he, thing, too, with Kobe is he did it in the right way. So I'm going to knock Jordan a little bit here because Jordan is kind of a petty asshole off the court. You know, you you see his Hall of Fame speech. You see him taking shots at guys who he's obviously reached beyond lengths as far as those people go, his old high school coaches, this and that. Kobe wasn't like that. Kobe was always about respect after the fact. Now, get him inside those lines on that court. Yeah, homie's going to put it to you, both physically and mentally. But you see what happens just a couple of hours or a day prior. LeBron passes him for the scoring title. I mean, uh you know for all-time points Mm -hmm. as LeBron moves up that list and it's nothing but love and that's the cool thing about Kobe but we just wanted to touch on Kobe because it is such such an important story right now in the sports world he's an icon and you know he will be missed and as the saying goes heroes get remembered but legends never die and mama mentality Kobe Bryant Everything he embodied, that isn't going anywhere no, anytime not. soon. You
1: know, It was a very emotional week for a lot of people. And, you know, the, the sad thing about him, I'm going to go ahead and touch on it just a little bit more, and we'll close it up with that. But, you know, a lot of people is saying, you know, you shouldn't grieve people you don't know and things like that. I think that's silly because, you know, it's a totally different situation, man. Like, you know, growing up, you saw Kobe Bryant, You saw the Michael Jordans, but you mostly saw Kobe Bryant as, you know, the face of NBA and the ultimate competitor and the ultimate all-star. You know, that guy was 18 years old. He's in the league now. He's young. He's fierce. He's trying to do those things that people told him he couldn't do, and he overcame anything. Torn Achilles, torn ACL, broken finger. What else? You know, and he was the ultimate, you know, just the ultimate team guy, you know. Well, you Play talk about the, the grieving process
0: and how people say you shouldn't grieve someone you don't know. But the reality is with celebrities, we feel like we know them because right. we have the access to their lives. And we know them more than just Joe Blow passing us right. on the street because of that. Right. Kobe so... felt
1: like an uncle to me.
0: <laughs> <laughs> right. I'm just, But nah, dude, you know. rest in peace to Kobe, man. And like I said, heroes get remem- remembered and legends never die, so... Uh we wanted to touch on that but moving on let's lighten up the mood. We got Super Bowl coming up this Sunday and you and I we talk football year round. You know, it's yep. not often but every couple of weeks throughout the regular season we touch base, get on the phone for 30, 45 minutes and just talk football. And then come playoff time of course, we want to know what the other person's thinking, where our picks lie, everything like that. And, uh, you know, one of the teams we talked about, both um, mutually, was the in the AFC, the Titans and the Chiefs. You and I both like them a lot. If the Chiefs, or if the Titans could get past the Patriots, because again it's still the patriots but they get past them they can make some noise they did they ultimately lose to the chiefs who are now playing in the super bowl and that was my afc pick for the super bowl was the chiefs um that was actually uh that was actually my preseason pick so i i nailed one and uh butchered the other but um chiefs are representing the A- afc and over in the nfc San Francisco 49ers. Dude, this matchup is fucking fantastic. You know, you and I are both Saints fans. Of course, we want the Saints to go, but if the Saints can't go, this is a hell of a matchup.
1: You're fucking right, man. Like, if you look at it, Mike, like, this is one year I can finally say, like, this. I mean, look, the Saints ain't in it. Okay, whatever. But these two teams right here, I I really can say that they're two to top two, three four teams in the NFL, period. Regardless if you think, okay, like, by era, this team is not there, whatever, whatever the case is. But at the same time, like statistically, uh, if you look at it on paper, uh, it's the ultimate Super Bowl you want. Um, trench game is going to be extremely important mm-hmm. in this game. Um, you're going to see what type of elusiveness Patrick Mahomes is going to show. Uh, he's going to have some dogs coming at him every snap. I yep. mean, it, and they're going to be fresh.
0: Now, the good, the good thing is with this – the Chiefs, one of the things the Saints did to sort of beat that Niners defense, because, I mean, the Saints the Saints put it on them. Now, of course, the 49ers put it right back on the Saints right, right. and won, but the Saints were able to move the ball. Right. And what they did so well was they spread that defense out sideline to sideline. They didn't try to play them north-south, trying to run into those big 6-7 linemen that they have in uh, Eric Armstead. Um, And then DeForest Buckner, and of course, you got Nick Bosa. But they spread them out. They made them run sideline to sideline, which they do well. Don't get mm-hmm. that twisted. But this is a different animal the Niners are facing. Mm-hmm. You're talking Mikko Hardman. You're talking Tyreek Hill, Travis Kelsey, guys who can move you. You're going to have to account for Kelsey in the middle because he's a possession god at tight end. But then you have to worry about the speed, the track speed of guys like Mikko Hardman and Tyreek Hill. Yes, sir. And speed kills. You're a football coach. You know that. You get speed on the field and you know how to utilize that speed. That's a dangerous, dangerous it's ball game. Extremely
1: tough to contain. Now uh, I'm gonna just tell you this. Um I really feel like as far as a complete defense, uh San Francisco 49ers, they got healthy at the correct time. Yes. If you look at it, you know, they got guys like D Ford back, they got guys like Quan Alexander back, they got those guys that were able to elevate that defense at the right time. It um, came in, and they're already creating turnovers. You know, every, everyone knows about that pass rush. You know, you got your boy Bosa. You got... Go Bosa! Ahead. <laughs> you want to go ahead and list the name, list the rest of them? Because I'll tell you what, every single one of them was first-round picks. Yeah. And they were not necessarily, you know, pick number 28, pick number 29. No, top five picks. Um, And they're proving why they're top five picks... They're proving why Nick Bosa sat out <laughs> and guess what? He didn't lose a beat. If no. anything, Mike, did you do you think that benefited him? And that's another thing we can get into later. But these Kyles athletes, man, like they they're starting to look around and they're starting to be like,
0: mm, uh, Business decisions, business man. Business decisions. Yes, sir. I th- well dude, I said this when Leonard Fournette uh was coming out for L S U. So you know this about me. I'm not an LSU fan. I feel like most of the people who listen to this podcast or read my blog um, regularly probably know I'm not a big LSU fan. But it doesn't matter if I'm a fan of a team or not. If you give me something to pay attention to, I'm paying attention. But I felt like that with Leonard Fournette, with what you're talking about, making business decisions. When he announced you know, he was going to come back for for that extra year— uh to get that third season in before declaring and everything and he wasn't going to sit out. Dude, if I'm that college athlete, at the end of the day, look, I'd rather sit out. Take the sure thing. Maybe I slide two or three spots, but if I'm a first round top ten talent no matter what, I'm getting paid. It's Absolutely wealth. paid. <laughs> yeah.
1: Generational wealth, man. You can't pass that up. Like that's just what Tua it was like, oh man, I think Tua's gonna go back to Alabama. Why? You're going to put a lot of trust in a lot of coaches that, you know, honestly, let's talk about it, Mike. Alabama doesn't necessarily retain their coaches year by year. A lot of those guys that get hot, they leave after a year or two, and you're going to just tell me this. You got to sit there and think that and being confident and have a lot well, of faith in your offensive line coach, putting the right pieces around. Now, just to, to say, just again. to
0: clarify, though, Tua did declare already. So, right. Um. But yeah, I mean, you know, with Alabama, like you're talking about with the revolving door, dude. Kirby Smart leaves. That defense hasn't been the same. Correct. I and mean, Kirby Smart, I and it was it was interesting because when Kirby Smart was defensive coordinator there, I was talking about this, and every everyone of course shit on Georgia firing Mark Rick, Um and you know hiring Kirby Smart. Oh, he's the uh, he's under Nick Saban. You know he's he's got that going in his corner. I'm like okay, let's see what happens because I was a big Kirby Smart fan because I believe around the time LSU was uh, I can't remember if My- Les Miles was already gone, but I'm sitting there thinking if I'm LSU and I have a chance to get Kirby Smart, fuck that, I'll take the risk all day. Um and Kirby Smart's done fairly well with Georgia thus far. You know, they've been in the playoff contention for the last couple of seasons now, and they've made it uh, once. But, you know, it's it's crazy, dude, and that's that's going to be a big thing that's LSU's going to have to worry about now. Mm-hmm. And we're kind of diving away from Super Bowl, but this is a podcast. We ramble all over. Okay. Um,
1: but first time in seven years. We can we can talk about whatever we want. <laughs> we got a I lot mean, to talk about. We got a say. lot to talk about, so let's just go ahead and get it out there. But yeah,
0: LSU, you know, you talk about the revolving door of coordinators. Um, you know, they they lost Brady. They're gonna they lost uh Aranda. They that's a new regime there, even though the same Ed Ogeron's still gonna be head coach, it's still kind of a new regime. There's a lot of revolving pieces.
1: Well, let me tell you this. Um you know, recently they hired Bo Pelini. Um, he was mm-hmm. former Young Sound Bringing head coach. Um, and I don't think there's a better character fit that can replace Aranda. You know, it kind of replaces a guy who is not really outspoken. Dave Aranda was one of those big brainiac guys. He was laid back. You know, he was very methodical in his thoughts. He wasn't really out there as far as like a ferocious coach. And when I mean ferocious coach, I mean a guy who's out there, Coach went a lot of emotion and, you know, getting the faces and some like of that. Cold Bo- and calculated, baby. Bo Pelini is that dude. Yeah. <laughs> you yeah. know, and him and Coach Ogeron, I can see a lot of, you
0: know, like, that's a lot of. But it's all in love. It's, it's all in competition, it's be man. be so much
1: fun in that defensive room, man. Like yeah. if, if I'm a defensive recruit, I want to go to LSU now. Yeah.
0: So, now, speaking of revolving doors, you know. We were just saying how we're going to ramble a little bit because of how long it's been. But here's the great thing. I've been doing this long enough. I know how to tie this back. Speaking of uh, coordinators, bringing it back to the Super Bowl of a revolving door that happened and left the Atlanta Falcons in serious trouble, Kyle Shanahan, the head coach of the 49ers. mm -hmm. Let's bring it back to the Super Bowl here. Kyle Shanahan has been unbelievable. John Lynch has been unbelievable as GM of the Niners. And you talked about all those guys that brought in those first-rounders, those heralded names. You can thank those two guys for that because yeah. the day Kyle Shanahan left that offense hasn't been the same in Atlanta. And, dude, Shanahan's a beast, man. You watch his offenses do work, and they are, you want to talk about methodical I tell you, they what, are those guys pound play for it. Him. Oh yeah, without a doubt. Those Kyle Shanahan's one of my favorite mm-hmm. guys in the NFL.
1: And um, you know, that's one thing that's starting to turn around in the NFL. And you know, it's it's been a thing. I feel like in high school and college and stuff like that. You know, players coach, but you know a lot of those guys want to be able to play for a coach that respects them. You yeah. know and that's one big thing. You know, if your coach respects you, you, you get a lot of them
0: Well, we talk about this all the time. You and I were just talking about this a couple of weeks ago, talking about the coaching ladder. It used to be an alpha male-driven position. Now it's not. And, you know, looking at the college landscape or the NFL landscape, college landscape, Coach O, Davo Sweeney. Now, of course, you still have hard-nosed Nick Saban, but he's losing his luster a little bit. Um, then you got – In the NFL, the Kyle Shanahans of the world, um, the Sean McVays, the Pete Carrolls. Players just love playing for these guys because of the positive energy. The vibes, man. Dude.
1: Who doesn't want to be around that? And people
0: can say this about (laughs) sports all they want that it's getting softer. It's not getting softer. People just don't like responding to egotistical assholes because when you have that much of an ego, chances are a guy like Saban... How name And I'm not saying he's never done this, but how often do you see him putting blame on himself? Hardly ever. If his team has a bad game, he's blaming it on his coaching staff. He's blaming it on his players. If he doesn't make the college football playoff, he's blaming it on the system. If he, for the longest time, this guy couldn't, you know, he was worried about stopping no-huddle offenses when Texas A&M broke into the SEC. Um... Johnny Manziel was running rampant on the SEC, and that was Bama's kryptonite. Saban's bitching about the no-huddle offense, saying it leads to more injuries, although there was no facts to support that claim. He likes to bitch and point the fault elsewhere, and when you're an alpha dog, you don't get a pass with that anymore. People are going to sniff that blood in the water and just eat you alive.
1: Well, you see guys like, you know... Dabo Sweeney having immediate success going to Clemson. And he's the ultimate players coach. You know, he's one of those guys. I mean, let's talk about Coach O, the ultimate players coach. But uh, I think Kyle Shanahan is really one of those guys who I think he relates to his players. He gives guys like Raheem Mostert. He's a guy who's got cut six times, Mike. And, you know, you can tell he stays the course with his players. And those guys respect that. Um, He's built – astronomical front on the offense and defensive side of the ball. Um, They can control, you know, the game, uh, passing, running. It doesn't really matter. But it's going to be fun to watch because I'll tell you what, we're going to see, you know, true football in two pure forms. The reason why I say that is because you got the 49ers. They're going to go up there. They're going to line up and, you know, the fullback – uh, the eye formation, they're going to run stretch. They're going to run outside zone, uh, and they're going to get good at it. Um, they're going to run it at will, and it's going to be something to see if that Chiefs defense can stop. Now, that's one thing that Chiefs were under scrutiny about. They were under scrutiny about bad defense, but I'll tell you what. The last couple of weeks, those guys been playing well enough to win, and they've been playing playoff football. Um, we've seen that freak game against the Texans where Patrick Mahomes put a Superman cape on, and he goes out there and he saves them. But I'm going to tell you what. What other team could do that besides the Chiefs?
0: No one. Not right now. And that's what I was talking about with Mahomes uh, after that happened is it doesn't matter what your lead is. It's not safe. Nope. You better keep your foot on the gas pedal. And ironically enough, bringing this back to Kyle Shanahan, of course, Kyle Shanahan was the offensive coordinator when the Falcons infamous blew, infamously blew the 28-3 to lead. Well, you know he
1: was asked that at the uh, Super Bowl media. Yeah, he
0: was asked that. <laughs> and there's been a meme going around, um, and I can't remember exactly what it was, but it was a joke pertaining to that. But it said something along the lines of, hey, Kyle, should we run the ball here? No, keep your foot on the gas pedal. I'm not blowing another 28-3 to lead. But um as far as the Chiefs go and talking about Mahomes, dude, what a freaking force he is. And I said this in my video uh that I filmed earlier today also going to be out uh you know on Saturday. I'm releasing basically as much Super Bowl content as possible. Um but that's what I talked about with uh um with Mahomes is the uh the fact that As far as generational talent's concerned, Aaron Rodgers was that dude about six years ago, Mm -hmm. and he was the bar. As far as pure talent's concerned, I'm not talking legacy, GOAT, anything like that. I mean, Rodgers is top 10 of all time. Mm -hmm. I think that's undoubtedly. Agreed. he was the one who crafted the master of the back shoulder throw. His arm plus his mobility, and not just his arm strength, his accuracy is unfreaking believable. But then Patrick Mahomes comes into the league, and year one, you're like, oh, <laughs> shit. <laughs> right, okay. <laughs> right, right. And of course, you know, all of last season during his MVP run, I, I kept telling myself, You know, Week four passes, okay, we're still early on. It's going to slow down. Week five, it's going to slow down. And then week eight, I'm like, okay, the wheels have to fall off at some point, and they Mm -hmm. never did. I
1: don't see it.
0: And (laughs) this year, I'm like, okay, a year of game film. Let's see what happens. I'm not saying Patrick Mahomes isn't a leader, shouldn't be in the conversation because he should. But I'm like, all right, maybe the wheels fall off. And guess what? When he's healthy, and keep that in mind, he played injured a lot this year, but when he is healthy, dude, he is he is head and shoulders above the league, and it's not even close. Yeah. When you talk about Mahomes as far as his talent's concerned, dude, it's Patrick Mahomes, 10 feet of crap, and then it's the number two guy. He's unbelievable.
1: Yeah, I think he's... Like you said, by far the best quarterback in the league right now. Um, And that's what everybody, if you look at it, Mike, if you go back and say, hey, if you're going to have a fantasy
0: draft right now, everyone's fantasy draft, number one pick would be who? Patrick Mahomes, you need a quarterback. And we're not talking fantasy football. We're talking but, if they did a fantasy draft in real right, life. Right, right. Um, if you
1: can start your franchise off with any quarterback in the league, you're going to pick Patrick Clues. Mahomes. He's
0: young, he's got the talent, he's flashy, he's smart, he doesn't take many big hits. And that's another underrated quality of quarterbacks. How well are or how well and how smart are you to not take mm-hmm. a hit?
1: Mike, his looseness is loose it's crazy. Oh, dude, um, As far it's as his stupid. pocket presence, his awareness. His, his,
0: he had his, one play. I can't remember if it was last year or this year, but he rolls out. I think it was last year, actually. So if you're looking at the television screen, he rolls out to the top of the screen, almost to the sideline, comes back the other way, completes a pass 20 yards downfield for a touchdown because they were in the red zone. And when they tracked his running distance on that play, it was something like 70-something 70, 70 yards. Yep. So he went sideline to sideline and coast to coast while eluding defenders, and it's just like, dude. Then he throws a dart. That, yeah, and then, <laughs> then on top of that, he's slinging it in. So. Then he throws a dart. I mean, that's, that's
1: one kid. Um, I don't know, Mike. That's one kid you just got to let play. Like, yeah. Um, well, we that's can't... what
0: they asked Andy Reid about that, too. They no, um they asked him how much control he gives Patrick Mahomes. Does he tell him to, you know, not run around in the pocket and he's just like No, Patrick Mahomes is that good. He can do whatever the hell he wants at man. this point. He's earned that. But there is
1: there is such a thing as overcoaching kids. Mm-hmm. Um and not only kids, you know, I'm talking about actually uh professional athletes as well. But kids as well, you know what everything is is it's all generic. Let's just go ahead and say that. But What I really want to say is, man, like when you have a generational talent like that, it's something special to watch. Let him play. Like I mean, who doesn't want to see that? Who doesn't want to see a guy just unleash his ultimate, you know, know, I'm finding words kind of hard to get out right now because the dude is so special as far as just talent wise. Um, And the reason why I'm saying that is because he's one of those kids, Mike, we all know he was a baseball player. Uh, He had had opportunities to go play baseball. Um, but he ended up playing quarterback for the Kansas City Chiefs. Now, let's go ahead and talk about this. He had choices to make in college and high school and stuff like that to specialize and to go play baseball, similar to what Kyler Murray was dealing with, but the guy stuck it out and played football because he wanted to be the ultimate competitor and one of those things that you know we talked about before, having that mama mentality. That guy has that mentality. To oh, go dude, out there you watch compete.
0: him? You watch he's him play, he, dude, and he's he's subtly in between the lines, and, and I use that term subtly strongly. He's subtly a piece of shit, and I mean that in the best way imaginable because you're going to get so pissed off by some of the things he does. For example, if you're playing against him, so one of the things he did this season, he breaks, I think it was like a 40-yard run on third down. The ref misses a call. While Patrick Mahomes is still running downfield and still has a first down to pick up, he looks back at the ref while he's running being like, what the fuck you doing? Mm-hmm. And then he picks up 40 yards after that. And I'm just like, Jesus Christ, dude. You don't want to play against that guy because the second, the second you kind of fold and he gets in your head, you're fucked, man. He's a killer. He's I'm a killer.
1: You, he really is, man. Like, And his... The way he carries himself is, you know, that guy. Like, you know, he's swagged out. He has confidence of, you know, you God, know, and he's up there just, just living his life, man. You he's know who ready. he
0: reminds me a lot of, and kind of in a looks department, but also in just kind of an overall swag and the way he carries himself on and off the court. Steph Curry. Steph, and Steph, Steph- Curry. And <laughs> Steph Curry. Steph Curry in football. Steph Curry Funny. is the definition of swag. You, you know, think so? Oh, without a doubt, dude. Like the jiving and stuff he does when he hits the threes and stuff like that. I see mm. a lot of that with yeah, Patrick yeah, Mahomes yeah, when yeah, he throws yeah, a touchdown.
1: Yeah, shot. I'm on to you now. I'm on to you. <laughs> At first I was like, well, where are we going with this? Are we talking about the, the, the clothing? Are we talking about, you
0: know? No, dude, just his overall apparel, attitude. And I get it. It's that, it's that balance of, okay, I know how good I am, and I'm going to have fun about it. And that's what I like. I like seeing the backyard element. And brought to professional sports because we all grew up playing sports for the same reasons to have fun to emulate the guys we grew up watching and i love it when athletes don't let that ever die mm-hmm. well
1: mike we're seeing a generation flip i feel like you know we talking about now and and this is later in a segment we can talk about the tom brady drew Brees; those guys contemplating retirement and now we got this young, exciting generational talent coming in, and it's, it's going to be exciting for the next 10 to 15 years, man. Without you got this doubt. guy here. He's getting better and better every single year. And let's talk about this, Mike. This is technically his third year in the league, but mm-hmm. this is his second year starting. Yeah. His and second, he's in the Super Bowl. And a, guess what? Last year he was in the AFC Championship, dude. and he should have won. Yeah. We're talking about a guy by the name of who? D. Ford, who lined up offsides. Possibly causing the the AFC Championship to be a little flawed. Gave the Patriots a chance to put it on ice, and they did, because that's the Patriots. Patriots.
0: They're going to let you make the mistake, and they did. But, I mean, dude, two years in, that's what I was telling someone the other day. This dude's got an MVP under his name, and he's got a Super Bowl (laughs) appearance. Win or lose this Super Bowl, he's in year two. He's putting up elite numbers. And when I say elite, I mean the best numbers. You give him a full season, he's probably competing with Lamar for that MVP. Absolutely. Um, and then on top of that, he's in the Super Bowl. So with that being said, we've touched on the Niners a little bit. We've touched on the Chiefs. Cortland, putting you on the hot seat, I'm going to uh, let you take the I first see, pick. Who are you taking in the Super Bowl?
1: I'm going to go with the Chiefs, Mike. Uh, what's his,
0: what's your final score?
1: My final score will be 38-31. I'm going
0: to go with that. Dude, you and I are speaking the same language. Just like we, it's like riding a bike, dude. We get on this. Because you and I have always been on the same page on a lot of things, and I'm right there with you on this because I got the Chiefs 38-35.
1: I, I, I see a game like this. I see a game like Jimmy Dree throwing a late pick. I think uh, the Chiefs take over. Uh, they go down. They might kick a field goal or something like that just to kind of seal that fate. Or, you know, even scored a winning touchdown. I don't know. I think it's going to be a really close game. I think these are two juggernaut teams. I think this is, honestly, this is one of the years that you can say that the two best teams made the Super Bowl. Yep. Um, I'm excited. You know, it's something fresh. You know, San Francisco 49ers and the Kansas City Chiefs. Who would have thought that? You know, It's new, man. It's It's very new, and it's very refreshing. You know, you've seen a turnover in the NFL. It's it's something fun to watch. You know, growing up, Mike, like, you know, think about it. What, seven years ago, we were talking about two completely different teams. Well, we would you, never think the San Francisco 49ers and the Chiefs would be in
0: Here, here's the interesting part of the Chiefs, and I told my buddy this last night, and I made mention of this on the video as well, and I want to bring it up to you because I'm curious to get your take on this. So Jimmy Garoppolo, quarterback of the Niners, for those listening that may not know, he played under Brady for multiple mm-hmm. seasons his blueprint on what he's doing right now is almost identical. Now, of course, his numbers are a little better than Brady, but that's also because the quarterback position numbers have been inflated over the years. But at, at the end of the day, you stack his numbers up compared to the rest of the league. It's very middle of the road. It's very pedestrian. But here's the thing. Brady, earlier in his career was very much a game manager, and that's kind of what Jimmy does right now. And I, and I don't want to say that in a negative connotation because I don't view that as negative. If you have the team around you, it's a great way to just build out that legacy, build out your career, get a feel, and eventually be successful, be an elite talent. Because right now, I mean, I don't think Jimmy G is ever going to be the star of the league, but a top 8-10 to 10 quarterback, absolutely. I think he'll be one of those safe bets for years right. to come. But the reason I say it's comparable to Brady, I believe he has five game-winning drives this year. And the thing that Brady did so well earlier in his career, limit turnovers, manage the game, and once he had the ball at the end, well, guess what? The balls are on the table, and he's laying his on the table and going down and winning you football games. And that's what's kind of interesting. And the fact that he is 20-3 and as a starter, I think, or 20-4. and He's up there. Dude, the guy's a winner. Yeah. Whether you want to sit here and criticize him or not, and you know, I, I'll bring this up, and I hate bringing it up because I loathe everything ESPN and mainstream, but one of the stupidest things I read after their victory in the NFC Championship, does Jimmy G deserve any credit for the win? That
1: what? was the dumbest shit I've ever read. I the- seen that article, and I was like, so what are we talking about here? Are we right. supposed to be like a guy who's uh, he's supposed to be throwing 30 to 40 times a game well, and throwing for the gaudy numbers? That doesn't fucking win all the
0: time, and no. we're seeing it right now. Well, dude, and one of the other things that you and I have Gosh. talked about many a times, because I know one of the things you hate is the stats guy. Uh, oh, but he's got 5,000 yards! 5,000 yards! So <laughs> one of the things that you hate is just that typical stats guy, and one of the things I've always told you to defend my position on stats... Um, because you and I debate plenty of times, but you got to look at the numbers within the numbers within the numbers within the numbers. Mm-hmm. It's you have to break things down on a on a very basic and deep level. And I and what I mean by that, so in that game, we're gonna sit here and minimize the guy who was responsible for converting three of their four third down conversions in that game. And guess what? Those three conversions led to 17 points. How much did they win by? 17 points. So to sit here and say he deserves absolutely no credit, you're a fucking idiot, and it's just the typical bullshit that I hate (laughs) with the media and fans. It's stupid. It's fucking asinine.
1: Uh, I agree. And you know the sad thing is, Mike, If Jimmy Garoppolo and the 49ers win the Super Bowl this weekend, let's just say they go out there and do the unthinkable, come out there and beat the Chiefs 35-10. All Jimmy D did was uh, hand the ball off to Raheem Mostert and Tevin Coleman and those guys. They still won 35-10, motherfucker. Regardless if he's handing that bitch off 30 times or he's throwing it 30 times, he's the leader of the team. Mm-hmm. He and those guys the love him. The team and they love him. So guess what? They feel his swag rather he's throwing 30 times a game or rather he's handing it off 30 times a and game. That's, it doesn't that's, matter. That's
0: the big difference. And we can that's dive right into this next topic. If your um, guy's
1: a competitor, if your quarterback's a competitor, It wins. And we're talking about doing game managers, what Mike? is
0: doing what is best for the team in any team. given week. So
1: let's go back and talk about this. I just want to throw it back real quick. We're talking about game managers. I know you, we're going back. I know we're going all the way back on this episode, so let's talk about this. Two thousand twelve, we're sitting in the apartment, uh, Russell Wilson
0: gets drafted. Yep. Okay, <laughs> we'll talk about this. I, I like where this is going. I like and this is Wait. the beauty of a podcast. Wait. So, Russell Wilson gets drafted. we sitting there like, <laughs> Matt Flynn signs that juicy backup deal. I'll go ahead and finish the story. So, I tell Cortland, because Cortland was like, hey, Mike, look, Russell Wilson's going to be their starter. And I'm like, you're fucking high, dude. Like, they just paid Matt Flynn all this money. No way Russell Wilson comes in and starts. And now Russell Wilson's looking like he's going to pretty much go to the Hall of Fame. You hit the nail on the head. And it's funny, because... I'll see a lot of my posts from when we were doing the show together, and two guys you and I were both big fans of when it was all said and done, Russell Wilson and Colin Kaepernick. And bringing up the Kaepernick thing, kind of touching on this a little bit, you know, you and I were both big fans, and it's just funny how people just, they're using his protest, which I've written plenty of articles about it. The guy shouldn't be in the league. He hurt their bottom line. And he's not that good to outweigh the distraction he's bringing, but that being said, Colin Kaepernick won a lot of football games, and he was football damn football good games. doing it and people he was like a to, yeah, people like to point to the the Tomsala era and all this shit, and it's like, yeah, they were a dumpster fire after Harbaugh oh, left no but doubt. but um. No, dude, Russell Wilson, for sure, you called that 110%, and honestly, now I'm one of the biggest Russell Wilson fans, dude. I wanted to see him go to the Super Bowl. I did. I was really rooting for him. I'm going to go ahead and say my uh,
1: Super Bowl pick, I think it was the Seahawks and the Chiefs. I think it was somewhere along the line like that. Seahawks, Chiefs, Packers, Chiefs, something like that. I don't know. But regardless, the reason why I brought up Russell Wilson is because his rookie year, a uh, third round pick, um, he comes in and he's you know he's a guy that you know
0: everyone liked.
1: Everyone liked, everyone but then liked everyone
0: him. shit on because of that game manager thing. And what I
1: mean by everyone liked, I'm talking about the guys who fucking oh, matter. Oh yeah, 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 you know what I mean? Like yeah. the guys in the fucking locker room, like the coaches, the training staff, the fucking officer line, the second string, the third string. Those guys respected the fuck out of Russell Wilson because he was a competitor. And there's a difference and between— And that's what leads your team.
0: Yeah, and there's a difference between the game manager that gets the negative connotation, such as a Trent Dilfer or a Brad Johnson, versus a guy like Russell Wilson or Jimmy Garoppolo. <laughs> uh, right. Good name drop, right? So those two guys—and when I, when I say those two, I mean Russell Wilson and Jimmy Garoppolo— Early in Russell Wilson's career is the same thing Jimmy's doing now on a much different scope because they're different play styles by far. So I'm not comparing that. But the thing is, both of those guys early in their careers, they they weren't asked to do too much, but they would have those two or three throws a game that you knew mattered on the highest level, and that matters. So wrapping up the Super Bowl here, Cortland has the Chiefs 38 to 31. Yep. I am taking the Chiefs 38 to 35. I'm excited. Cortland's excited. Super Bowl is going to be dope. Let's move on. We're going to stay with the motif of quarterbacks. So, Drew Brees oh. and Tom Brady. <laughs> oh, no. Two careers that have taken totally different turns. Uh. One has all the numbers, meaning all the. All the stat whore numbers or the stat guy numbers <laughs> that we talk about from yards to touchdowns, uh to completion percentage. One has the wins, one has the touchdown to interception ratio, one has the um the Super Bowls. And we're right now contempl- they're they're we're stuck in limbo on what these guys are going to do as far as retirement goes. They're both over the hill. And both have had top 5 worthy careers. Brady is the unequivocal goat. Uh I anyone who says Brady is not the goat's a fucking fool. Period. Um and then as far as Breeze, I mean, I could argue him as high as 4 and I did or as high as 3 and I did. Um and I think he falls somewhere in that 3 to 6 or 7 range. Uh but two totally different careers. And as far as retirement goes, it's going to be interesting. Brady posted the picture of him walking into the stadium just in his hoodie and street clothes. And to Gillette, I mean. So, dude, it sucks. And, I mean, if Breeze retires, you and I have had this conversation, and we'll get into it in a second. But let's talk Brady first. Man, I don't want to see Brady go out yet. I want to see if he has one more run, whether it's with the Patriots, and especially if it's with someone else. Because if he does go somewhere else and ends up winning another Super Bowl or getting there, holy fucking shit, I will fanboy out so damn hard.
1: Well, let's talk about a couple of things that came out in the news this week. I know you said he posted a cryptic tweet, a uh, cryptic tweet, excuse me, of him walking in Gillette Stadium, street clothes. He just bought a house in Vegas. Yeah. Yep. I just want to go ahead and drop that dime real quick. Dude. Now, him, oh, and, him and John Gruden oh was kind of talking. God. Him and Al Davis was seen at UFC, I think, 240. Dude. Eight or nine? I don't I don't know. But Dude. anyway, they were sitting yeah, yeah. ringside having a nice conversation. Tom Brady just bought a house. John Gruden is, he, I hate to say it, but he's really not sold on Derek Horne.
0: No, and the thing is, John Gruden's done really well with Carr. Carr's played exceptional. He I has. Mean, nothing he's great, done, nothing that's jumping off the stat, stat sheets, but middle of the road, good enough to win, I think, if you have the right pieces. But, dude, John Gruden and Brady, I mean, I'll go ahead and call a spade a spade. That's my fucking wet dream. Dude, dude. John Gruden by far one of my biggest man crushes as far as coaches go and then you pair that with probably with easily my favorite quarterback. He of all does time. like
1: veteran quarterbacks. Uh,
0: well, and the thing is he'll he get does a quarterback that. that's smart. And we talked about Brad Johnson a second ago being such a game manager. Well, Brady does that on a whole nother level. Brady does that on an elite level. If he uh, dude, the other thing too is the thing with the Patriots this year, that offense was obsolete. Their offensive line was terrible. Was their terrible. run game was inconsistent, and their receivers could not get separation.
1: What well, a thing about it, Mike. That comes upon a point time where you, you just can't do it by yourself, man. Like now, and he's you're 40, beyond that. Point. Forty-two years old, like you know, you've been escaping, you know, the elite of the elite pass rushers the last twenty years, you know. That comes upon a time. You need help, man. Like yeah. You need legitimate help. You need... And I, and I feel like this is one time of career, in Tom Brady's career where he needs superstar help.
0: Yeah. He really does. And the thing is, if he goes to the Raiders, the defense is solid. And offensively, he'll have Darren Waller. He'll have a Hunter Renfro they're going to probably go heavy on some receivers this year I would think cuz it's one of their positions they need help but the other X factor he can turn around and hand that ball off to Josh Jacobs who's a freaking stud. He's a stud man. So they got a lot of young pieces around him
1: and it's it's I hate to, you know, speculate because you know he's leaving a situation in New England where
0: and he's not necessarily it's leaving not yet. Leaving. We don't know.
1: But, but, right, that's what I'm saying. Well, he could possibly be leaving or even staying in a situation that could be beneficial. Like, we're talking about New England's defense being great. Were they that good this year? I don't know. Yeah, but at the same time, like, you've seen points in, you know, the season where Tom Brady, up until not up,
0: up until week 10 or 11... That defense was unbelievable. And then you started to see the wheels fall off a little bit. Their schedule got a little bit tougher. Mm-hmm. And against tougher teams, they just weren't the same defense. Now, they were still... that was, that was That's one of the best defenses he's played with. And here's the misconception about Brady. Uh I was telling you about this the other day, and, you know, you know I'm a super analytical geek. I love all the analytical shit. I love deep dives into numbers. And DVOA... I was telling you about that, kind of what it is, explaining it to you. Um, and as far as DVOA goes, essentially, in a nutshell, it's a measure of how your offense and defense correlate and your special teams as well. Uh, it's, it's an analytic that is based on field position, whether or not you're playing behind or above the chains. Um, and analytically speaking, as far as DVOA, I think the Patriots' defense was ranked in the top, top five this year, Uh, and for most of Brady's career, especially in the back half, he hasn't really had too many top five defenses, and he's won despite that. And as far as Super Bowl makeup's concerned, most of the teams have a middle-of-the-road defense and an elite offense. If Brady were to go to the Raiders, I think that does become an elite offense instantly. He's got a capability of doing that, Mike. You know those those young guys you
1: would be surrounded by they'll look to him like a God. I I feel, you know, like,
0: well, you have Tom Brady. You you have 2 godlike figures there with Well, You have Brady. You
1: have Brady. That's, that's something. And another thing too, Mike, that's extremely attractive to some of those free agents. Oh, Uh, especially going to Las Vegas, you know, new stadium. There's a lot of, a lot
0: of good factors. A stadium that looks like the death star. Absolutely.
1: Uh, electric atmosphere. I hope the city of Vegas, you know, grabs that with full open arms and, um, have some success, man. I heard they're adapting the Black Hole and stuff like that, so it's going to yeah. be a really uh, a formidable situation for him, and I hope it really has some uh, some positive impact on I the I do, too. The
0: second the Raiders grabbed Gruden, I figured well, they were making a play for right, Vegas. Right, 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 right. And, yeah, I'm excited to see the Raiders. It's hard not to like the Raiders. It's hard not to like Gruden. Yeah. But as far as Brady goes, is he retiring? Is he staying mm. in New England? Is he going somewhere else? That remains to be seen. You know what? We do this. This is part of podcasting. This is part of calling things uh, and being wrong sometimes. But I'll go ahead and say that Brady is staying in New England. I'm gonna. I, I'll. I think he'll stay. But again, I don't have much of a pulse on it. I really don't know. But that's that's what my gut's telling me. Well, I, I think the guy,
1: as far as a competitor, which I was going back to, he's not retiring. Uh, point blank. Period. Um, regardless if he stays in New England or not, he's gonna, see, you know, we're going to see Tom Brady in a football uniform next year because in Tom Brady fashion, there is no way in hell he's going out like he just went. Yeah, he threw a he pick. He threw a pick. I mean, yeah. he's not at home, like, you know, embarrassing loss at home, throwing a pick, last player of the season, last player of your career. There's no way. As no. far as a competitive standpoint, there's no way. You know, and that's one of those things we're going back to you can kind of bring it back to Kobe Bryant. When he tore his Achilles, we knew he was coming back. Yeah. Just like Tom Brady. He threw this pick. He was speculating in retirement.
0: We know he's coming back because he's competitive. competitor. Yeah. So. Well, let's talk about Drew Brees now. So this is going to be a very deep dive, and I'm sure you and I will both have plenty to say on the subject yeah. because it's a topic we've talked about plenty over the last few months but the speculation right now on Breeze is he retiring is he done what are the Saints gonna do do they commit to Breeze do they commit to Bridgewater do they commit to Taysom Hill it's gonna be an interesting situation in New Orleans I unlike Brady I can see Brady moving on despite the fact that I do think he stays in New England I don't know that I can see Breeze in another uniform I think Breeze retires a Saint no matter what and for record's sake I wonder if Breeze is waiting on Brady to announce because if there's one thing I feel like I can say about Breeze and I don't think I'm wrong on this, it's just pure feeling, there's no fact behind it, but that dude doesn't want to lose those records because that's what he has.
1: I think you're right about that, Mike, and I really think, you know, when people speculate retirement, it's, you know, a matter of a win with people uh, I don't think it's a question about where Drew Brees will retire. I think that's just, you know, uh, something that he's got to think about. Just when, you know, how how much better can Drew Brees get? Um, is he going to elevate his team to another level? Um, is he going to get better than he was last year? You know, that's the you questions just, you got. And he's how old the, is he?
0: I mean, mid forties. I don't know the exact mid forties. <laughs> yeah, I mean he's he's close. I think or early. And 40s I know it's I mean,
1: like early forties, something like that. You know, he might be forty, forty-one, whatever the case is. Might, but at the same time, like we're talking about, like there's elite pass rushers, and those guys are getting better and the game is turning to, you know, you need a quarterback who can extend those third and two, yeah. third and three situations where it's tough in the NFL, Mike. And yeah, that's the pocket passers are
0: dying. I mean, having a true pocket passer is it's, no... It, it's a thing of the past, or it's, of the past and it could always come back because the NFL is so cyclical. You know, you're seeing a resurgence right now with feature backs. That's something that died out in the NFL right. a couple of years ago, and now it's resurging because the needle moves, and... So does the NFL. So with Breeze, though, with this roster in New Orleans, and you and I talk talk about this, and the thing that pisses me off and frustrates me more about being a Saints fan than anything, the last three years, the Saints have a Super Bowl roster. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. And yeah. they fucking find a way to Finally just lose it. it. Up. Like, yeah, it and it sucks. And, you know, I try to take a lot of my emotion out of those games, and usually I'm good by the next day. I don't dwell on it too much. But at the end of the day, it's still, I just look back, and I'm like, you should be better. He's a top-five quarterback of all time, in my opinion. But there's one major difference between him and every other quarterback I have in my top five. I wrote a column about my top five, so I'm just throwing it out there. Brady, Montana, Breeze, Manning, Elway. That's the five in that order. The big difference between Breeze and the other th- other four. Well, if you take all those losing seasons for those other four and combine them, it's less than Breeze has in his career. Breeze is- wins as much as he loses. And he's got all the stats. And that's great. I mean, that does have to factor in. But one of the things that we saw this year, and you and I talked about this, against Minnesota, there was no balance. It was drop-back-throw, drop-back-throw, drop-back-throw. and every, what? And, <laughs> and, dude, everyone likes to point to Taysom Hill and be like, oh, the well, they, well they ran it with him. Yeah, but when Breeze is in, you know what he's doing. The run to pass ratio with Breeze lined up at quarterback. If you include the the total dropbacks, so including sacks on this, you were looking at a 36 to 12 pass to run, a 4 to 1 that's never going to win in the NFL. And my big problem when I say that Breeze hasn't won as much as he probably should have, he is 1 and 7 when he throws more than 40 passes in his playoff career. He's 7-1 and one when he throws under 40 passes. Now, the ironic part about that one loss when he threw under 40 passes, it's that game against Minnesota where the play calling was 4-1. to one. So it's so unbalanced. And that's been my big problem with Breeze, I guess. And that still doesn't mean I'm not putting him in the top five. But we have to have this conversation of why he didn't win. And one of the things I was telling you is I don't know whether it's more on Sean Payton, whether it's more on Breeze, whether it's a combination of both. Because when Teddy Bridgewater took over for Breeze this season, the play Sorry, calling was. Long. Yeah, the play calling was fantastic. That might be the best five game stretch I've ever seen as far as play calling goes under Payton. But. It's a conversation that needs to be had because historically speaking, you don't see top-level quarterbacks lose as much as Breeze has lost. And that's the part that drives me nuts.
1: Yeah, and it's frustrating as a fan. And I feel the I uh, understand, you know, wanting to have, you know, Super Bowl runs and things like that. But let's just go ahead and bring it back, Mike. We're spoiled as Saints fans. Um, I want to go back to the 2000s when we had, you know, even earlier than that when we had the brown paper bags on our heads and shit like that, the Aaron Brooks, Jeff Blake, starting yeah. quarterbacks and shit like that. So I am, I hate to say it, I am, I'm happy with the quarterback play that we had so far, you know, because of where we've been and the things that we've been through and, you know, the city of resiliency, all those things that, you know, Drew Brees represents and it's, it's, it's great. It's great what they represent together. But at the same time, like, we got to be holding each
0: other accountable. Um, well, and that's also, you talk about accountability. That's the big problem I have in the New Orleans market. We don't hold the team accountable. And I when I say we, I mean us as fans. And I mean the media. They don't hold those guys accountable. You don't really hear them barking at Sean Payton in press conferences the same way you do in New England and New York and these other places. And I, I get it's a small market, but come on, man. And you know, you, you revert back to the no call and all these other misfortunes, bounty gate. People still think the NFL hates the saints because of bounty gate. Roger Dowell's out to get us. No, he's fucking not <laughs> shut up the no call. You're telling me that one play changed an entire series of events throughout the course of a game. No, did it affect it to some degree? Yes, of course. The saints still had a chance after the fact they couldn't get it done, but we maximize all the all the things that go against the saints to try to make the case for why they're losing. There's no accountability. On on the major scale in New Orleans, and I think that's also a big problem down
1: here. Oh, absolutely, I mean, going you know going a little bit further with that, the Pelicans, man, like that's that's the number one face of accountability. Like I, I feel like that's the thing that has been stable in New Orleans. I feel like now we're finally on a on a rise with just the talent wise on the roster is just impeccable. But at the same time, man, like Drew Brees and Sean Payton, we've got to step back and look. I love Sean Payton as a coach. Sean Payton, I hope he stay as a coach for New Orleans Saints the rest of his career. I'm going to go ahead and say that on the record. But it comes a point a time where your quarterback's got to be held accountable, and there's got to be some things talked about. And you got to coach if you're going to be the coach. You know, I know it's tough, and I'm a coach. You know, I understand the uh, the relationships that you build with your players, that trust that you build your players, but that comes upon a time where, look, there's that still at line. You know, you can't let guys, you know, dictate what... Basically, what I want to say is you you can't let a quarterback paint your picture all the time. Yeah, and and that's
0: one of the things that, again, going back to New England, and it's probably unfair to hold them to the same standard, but that's why Brady and Belichick have won so much. If Belichick saw... A weakness in an opponent and he knew he could win by running the ball fifty-five times and turning around exactly. handing off to LeGarrette what, what, Blunt that's what that's Brady what would do. do.
1: <laughs> but that's and that's what I'm saying, you know, like I felt that Sean Payton trusts Drew Brees so much. Yeah. To where Drew Brees is just he's gotta throw the ball forty fucking times a game. For what? You paid fucking Latavius Murray a little bit of money. I'm not gonna say a lot of money, but you paid him a little bit of money to come down here. You paid him, and you let go, go of Ingram, and you let go of fucking Ingram, which was terrible for the locker room. Yeah, the locker room—you can tell the locker room spirit was way down. Teddy Bridgewater stepped up into that role, but that locker room guy. But Mark Teddy Bridgewater is a great—he's a great, locker he's a room great guy, guy man. Him. But that's—that's that's, you need that in your locker rooms, and you felt that loss from Mark Ingram, yeah. production-wise. And the reason why I said that is because you lost production from Camaro. Because of the departure of Ingram, mm-hmm. but you don't allow those guys to play because you will, you give Drew Brees so much fucking control, man. Yep. Like you you seen how those guys play as a team. You seen how those guys play for each other when Drew Brees was out. I'm not gonna say that, I'm not gonna say that those guys don't have to respect of Drew Brees. Drew Brees is ultimate respect a guy. It's not that it's a I don't want to say kind that of like respect that. though, right?
0: You know, Peyton Manning plays on your roster. You have the respect for him because. You're scared to fail for for Peyton Manning. That's what that kind of aura feels like. I feel like that's similar to the Drew Breeze. It's a different kind of respect. Those guys played for Bridgewater because, well, Bridgewater's our dude. He's our locker room guy. Let's win for him. For Breeze, it's let's win for the sake of getting this guy another ring, essentially. Well, and it's just eh. it's it's a different oh, it's kind different. of playing for right. the guy and it's hard to put into words and explain but you know exactly right. what i'm talking about
1: right and this is my thing like if if drew Brees come back um whatever okay i hope drew Brees evaluates you know the things that he needs to improve on this off season and you know take a step back and really look at the whole picture you know he's got to look at you know He's forty, forty one, however old he is right now, I'm not gonna sit there and give you the correct age because at this point I don't really give a shit. I'm to the point right now I want a gamer at quarterback. And that's coming from a standpoint like of a fan. Um I want a gamer at quarterback. Drew Brees is a gamer. Um but at the same time I want that guy who's gonna put the team first. Is Drew Brees putting the team first? I cannot really... I can, I, yeah, we don't if, know. I don't but know. It, like, but it doesn't, but seem, it doesn't like. seem like that to exactly. me. Like, that's that's exactly. my problem. And um, I hope that, you know, if Drew Brees does take that step back and realize he needs to put the team first versus fucking yards and these touchdowns. And I hope that's not the case, Mike, but it just seems like that to me. Like, it, it's always about the gaudy numbers. Uh, we're always breaking records on prime time. Yeah, I get it. Blah, 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 blah. Great story. Well, but at the same time... Turn around and hand a fucking ball off because that's the right thing to do well, at that dude, certain situation. And the, other,
0: the other part of this, too, one of the things that drove me nuts this year, and one of the things that's been driving me nuts is the emergence of Michael Thomas. And this is not any fault of Michael Thomas. But what I mean by that, you hear this all too often, and it's true for the most part. Drew Brees makes his receivers. And it's a way to minimize the talent that's around him. Now, historically speaking, yes. Like, Marcus Colson, if there was a hall of really good, he's in the hall of really good. He was never an elite receiver. He was probably never really a true number one. And Brees and Colston had a good relationship, and Colson had some good seasons as a result. Lance Moore is another great example of this. Lance Moore elevated his game with New Orleans. Willie Sneed. You know, it's a very long list of guys, and the last couple of years, you've seen Brandon Cooks in a New Orleans jersey. You've seen Michael Thomas. The last, or Michael Thomas's rookie season, Brandon Cooks was on the other side of him. And Michael Thomas has now emerged, and there's no doubt about this, Michael Thomas is the best receiver yes, in football. Absolutely. Not even close. And... People tried to minimize that before Bridgewater, and there was a lot of people who I heard say this. Well, I think I think Breeze makes Michael Thomas. No, he fucking that doesn't. The dumbest shit I've ever heard and in my life. My point with this is Carry so on. Breeze, Breeze. As far, you want to talk about stats and inflating those numbers and highlighting those numbers, well, Breeze the last three seasons has thrown over seventy-two percent completion percentage. He's got three of the four highest seasons of all time in the last three seasons. And you want to talk about why? It's not because Drew Brees is still that guy who's an elite-level talent at quarterback. He's still smart. He can still get it done. He still makes the right reads most of the time. Right. But he's got Michael Thomas, who is the highest-rated pass catcher in terms of catch percentage that we have seen in league history. Consistently. Consistently. The last two seasons... (laughs) Not just one season. The last two seasons, he's caught 80% of the balls thrown his way. And we're not talking about 80% because he got 9 out of 10 for the season. No. Among number one receivers, the next highest in pecking order for a single season is Wes Welker, and he caught 76% of those passes in one season. What Michael Thomas is doing is unprecedented. And... If you want to try to minimize what he's doing, I ask you to look back at the games with Bridgewater because that dude did not miss a single beat. So Michael Thomas, I would argue, is the most important element of the Saints offense today. completely. And And that's that's, the thing. And with a receiver, that's not something you see ever. The last guy I can think of as far as receivers go who added many wins to a football team and it The proof is in the pudding on this because every team he left got worse. Terrell Owens, he was a head case as hell. He was baggage beyond belief. But because of his style of play, he helped his teams win more football games. And I feel that same way about Thomas. So I would argue that Thomas has helped extend the shelf life of Breeze. And like you're saying, turn around, hand the ball off, Play into the strengths of your offense. You have a great offensive you a great line. Offense. You have a great offensive line. This offensive line hasn't been ranked outside of the top six in the last three years. And you go into Minnesota or you play Minnesota in the playoffs at home, knowing they have Daniil Hunter, who, in terms of pressure rate, is the best in football. Then you have Everson Griffin and you let those guy pin their you let those guys pin their ears back and just go at you because of your unwillingness to just turn around and hand the ball off. And you know as well as I do, if your offensive line is backpedaling the whole game and you're facing a good pass rush, you're not giving those guys a chance. No,
1: and, and that's the thing that baffled me, Mike. You got a guy like Tavius Murray. He carried the ball five times. Um, that was extremely frustrating from a ball coach standpoint of it because I'm sitting there looking. I'm like, ah, okay. When are we gonna go? At least try to establish some type of, you know, line of scrimmage here. Some type of, you know, let's establish a run. Let's establish ourselves here as an offense. Let's get a, a rhythm going. We never got a rhythm, Mike, and I felt like that's the whole issue. You know, those guys can pin their ears back at Drew Brees because they know what he is. He's gonna get back there. He's gonna ride his feet, and he's gonna be hesitant to the football. Um until what I'm saying is this, he, we shouldn't be playing into that. You know, we got two backs, Alvin Kamara, Latavius Murray, those guys are, you know, two of the best backs in the league. I'll go ahead and say that at what they do. Um, let them do it. Let Jerry Cook go across the middle and throw a couple of straddle routes to him. Let Michael Thomas be a proficient route runner. But, when but you-, you don't have to make yourself be the best player on the field. And I feel like that's what Drew Brees has been trying to do the last couple of years. We know that you're Drew Brees, man. We see you. Right. But you Everyone don't have to you. go there and have the gaudy numbers every night and do these things that, you know, just people have to be like, oh, wow, that's Drew Breeze's flash. Well, a Win theory, a fucking game by just handing the ball off. A
0: theory I have on Brees, too, and, again, I know this seems like a bash Drew Brees fest, and to some degree it is, but to another degree there's a lot of truth in this. But one of the things that I've kind of thought about Brees – you know, if you read his book, you hear him. For most of his career, he's always talked about being the overlooked guy. Uh, Purdue. He is a runner-up for the Heisman. Basically, he's always been undersized to play the quarterback position because there used to be a stigma that you needed to be a six-five tower to play quarterback. Mm-hmm. Because, well, what else? Uh, you know, you had to see over the offensive line, right? right. So. You know, there was always that stigma, and he did have to deal with a lot of that, but I feel like that's a chip that never went away, and it should have years ago. I agree with that. It should have years ago. You've been an elite quarterback, and by elite, I mean top three, four at worst for the past 15 years. You've been that dude. Just be that dude then, and understand that you are that dude. You don't need to keep continuing to be that guy anymore. You have a roster that's capable of winning. Well,
1: I'm going ahead and look at stats. I know I'm not a stat guy, but I'm going to go ahead and look at some of the carries that Latavius Murray had this year. Um, we're looking at a Panthers win, 42-10 um, to 10 at the end of the year. I know they had Kyle Allen starting. Um, there really wasn't much to the end of the Cardinals. I mean, excuse me, not the Cardinals, but the Carolina Panthers' season. Um, he has 17 carries, Mike. And who cares if it wasn't for 17 carries, 130, 140 yards? It was 17 it's about establishing carries. The was establishing run. yourself, well, establish that you're willing to be physical, you're willing to get the tough, nasty yards, you're willing to do some of those things.
0: Well, playing off your point, one of the problems I have with a lot of fans, too, is they think if the run's not working. Well, put the ball in Drew Brees' hands. No. Here's a fucking stat for you. And here's a stat that matters. The Saints are 38-7 and when they hand the ball off 25-plus times. And, keep in mind, and average less than four yards a carry, which is about the standard in the NFL. When you're at 4.0, you're average. So... Hey It's establishing the run, because one of the things that Breeze does well, it's a thing that Tom Brady's done well, it's a thing that Tony Romo did well, playing off of that play action pass. Yep. You establish a run, you can keep the defense on their heels, and then you can just pick them apart when you have a guy like Breeze.
1: Well, the thing that's fun to watch, Mike, um, you know, you got quarterbacks like the Tom Brady's, like the Drew Breeze, like the... Patrick Mahomes that we were talking about those guys have made their mark on the NFL in totally different ways you know Mm -hmm. we remember these guys for totally different reasons Um, I I really don't know what Drew Brees wants to be remembered for Um, I know he's a guy who came he gave New Orleans life Um, 2006 he rejuvenated the city he gave the city some life and we gave him life Mike. uh i am confident in saying that um New Orleans as a whole has changed his life for the you know for the best, I feel like, but there comes a point of time where okay, let's, let's take a step back and evaluate ourselves and see what's the best thing moving forward for not only for himself but for the whole entire franchise. Is this the best move staying there? Are you hampering the New Orleans Saints by staying there and playing football for the rest of i mean not saying for the rest of your career, obviously for the rest of your career, but you know, for the next two to three years, are you wasting those guys' prime because you're selfish? That's the question. I don't know. I really think he, I really think he needs to sit down and think about that. Um, I know he, you know, he clips a lot of, you know, uh, what, seven. How, how many yards he had? I don't know. Seventy thousand, whatever. Yeah, uh, seventy. Touchdowns. over Seventy-four. <laughs> Look, dude. Kudos, congrats. You're one of the best to ever do it. You know, I love you for being a New Orleans Saint. I love you for doing whatever you did for the city, you know, building the football fields at Lusher High School, those things that he he's a really community guy. Absolutely. He really is. Um, and I commend him for that. Uh, I commend anyone who does all that work. Um, but I'm just saying from, you know, from a football From perspective, a football perspective yeah. I really think he needs to step back and look. Well, and is it, he hampering the franchise by staying more?
0: And it's fair to knock him for that. And that's the other thing. And that's the other side yeah. of it, too, that people forget is we're not knocking Drew Brees, the person. We're no, knocking no, Drew Brees, no. the football the, player. The football player. The over the hill football player. Yeah. And and it's okay to, like, And
1: might, I understand, like, there comes a point in time in all athletics. If you want to achieve success and greatness, you have to be selfish. I hate to say it like that, but at some point you have to be selfish. Yeah. But that comes a point in time you are too selfish sometimes. Yeah. I said, my, I am selfish when I'm a head coach. I was selfish at some points because I had to, but for good reason. But at the same time, like when you're starting to be selfish for some of those reasons where you can't be like, well, am I hurting the team because I'm selfish? Then you got
0: to kind of step back and look. Absolutely. Absolutely. So. long part of this conversation we we dove into a lot about breeze here so here's the question now the million dollar question what does drew breeze do i'll take the first stab at this like i did for brady and again i think breeze winds up staying in new orleans i think bridgewater is gone uh, so I think everyone who's banking on Bridgewater, sticking around, you can bank on that being good bye Why lean into that? Because I think I know where you're going with this. Well, Bridgewater's going to command a lot of money uh, in free right, agency. Right, Someone is right. going to pay him right. probably north of $20 million, Right, And that's not something you're going to do for a backup quarterback. No. And that being said, I don't fault Teddy. At all. I'm going to go
1: ahead and say this. I don't think he's a backup quarterback, Mike. I think he's a valuable starter. I, I think, think he's, he's one a middle-of-the-road starter. I think he's one of those guys we're talking about, kind of like a Jimmy G. Yeah. Who can go in there and, and command respect. And guess what? Guys fucking like Terry Bridgewater. They're going to they're going play for him. Whatever locker room he's him. in,
0: you can bet that so, locker room is going to be a lot of fun. And that's dude. one
1: of the things that you hate. I mean... I'm not one of those guys to say that. Is Drew Brees one of those locker room guys that everyone loves? I don't know. We're not in a locker room, but we he's clearly a, he's see a, that Teddy Bridgewater is that guy. We see those guys. There's who, a
0: difference, and I, you know, I talked about this a little bit ago, and I think I found the right words for it when we were talking about the difference between playing for a guy like Brees and playing for a guy like Bridgewater. Bridgewater's a playground locker room guy. Brees is a business locker room uh, guy. And I think that's the best way I can describe
1: it. I agree with that. I think Teddy Bridgewater is one of those guys where he embraces the role of, you know, follow my swag, you know. Exactly. You know, type. Um, we're going to lead this team. Just cool, calm, collected type cat. You know, everybody wants to be around, you know, kind of cracking jokes. Drew Reed is one of those guy. you know, he's the ultimate competitor. He's one of those guys coming business in, business out. Uh, he's going to be the guys in in the locker room first. He's going to leave last. He's going to do those things correct. He's going to do those things. But at the same time, Mike, it's 2020. Um, ultimate competitors at quarterback. Ultimate player coaches are making a rise. Ultimate quarterbacks who wins a team with not necessarily their records and their stats, but the charisma and the character of being an excellent team leader. That's the thing that's been winning those guys over. So I hope that Teddy Bridgewater finds a home. Uh, I wish it would be the New Orleans Saints. It's tough to say that. Yeah. Um, And it's also tough to say that Taysom Hill is the fucking future of the court. No way. Look. I love Taysom Hill as a fucking football player, bro. I, he is. He Taysom is,
0: Hill's position is football. It's not quarterback. It's, it's
1: football, bro. Go he, play football. Don't sit there and be a drop-back quarterback. Don't make the lead. Make you into something well, that you're people not.
0: People forget, too. Taysom Hill's 29 years old. Well, that's what I'm
1: saying, Mike. I'm like, and so how
0: fucking – like, you say he's a future quarterback of
1: the Saints. Let's think about this. He's almost How healthy 30. was – he's almost 30, <laughs> and how many – full seasons that this guy really played byu no, he can't no, let's talk yeah, about exactly. that exactly
0: and that's let's that's talk about the that. point Nobody's i always re- bring up with Taysom hill with his style of play and the way he runs He's not gonna last that's dude, RG3. rg3 exactly <laughs> exactly so we're on the same page there but teddy bridgewater i don't think anyone's faulting him wherever he goes wherever he gets go, his, money. He's get his money i'm gonna cheer for him wherever that. he goes dude absolutely but they're gonna have to start addressing some needs. Maybe they look to the draft. I don't know. But as far as Drew Brees, Ooh, future, we about,
1: speaking, I don't want to cut you off, but we about what two and a half months away from the draft?
0: Uh, we, Aprilish. So uh, we sneaking, we sneaking, sneaking upon it. Yep.
1: Because tomorrow's February.
0: Yep. Still so. so got, still got another game of football yeah, left. And yeah, then it's yeah, all draft yeah, yeah, from yeah, there yeah, on yeah, out. Yeah. But uh, so all right for for you, final final question, final answer: Who are, is Drew Brees? Is he gonna retire or no? I think Drew Brees signs a one year deal. Um
1: I think he reevaluates after this year because I'm gonna I'm gonna go ahead and say this. He knows and this is the reason why I'm talking about being selfish and some of those
0: things that he had to step back and think about.
1: Camara needs to be paid. Ryan, Ramchick needs to be paid.
0: I think Kamara I don't think Kamara's getting that payday. I think Ramzik's getting that payday. Marshawn Lattimore. Marshawn you Lattimore. Right. Like, so they gotta make some decisions. They, got, they did the right thing by signing Michael Thomas, which normally with receivers, it's like, eh, I don't know. Michael Thomas absolutely hundred ten percent deserve that. that payday. But I think ramsick uh Ramcheck, and then I think uh I think Marshawn Lattimore both get paid. And I think th- those are the three cornerstone pieces of the franchise. Wild
1: card question.
0: Does Alvin Kamara get traded this year? That's tough. That's tough. I can see it. I can see it happening. mike I'm kinda we've I'm seen Sean Payton head, use like, stables of backs before. It's I've not out, it out of the realm of possibility. Seen so it happen. but uh all right so Drew Brees takes a one year flyer. Jumping around quarterbacks here, uh let's dive into another topic and that is Lamar Jackson. So, he's, I mean, it's safe to say it. He's going to win the MVP this year. There's no question about it. There's no one else who should even be in the conversation of that award. He blew that out the water this year, led the league in touchdown passes, broke Michael Vick's rushing yardage record, and was the sole proprietary piece of that Ravens offense who drove them throughout the season. So one of the things that's interesting to me about Lamar is what is going to happen moving forward. And I guess it's still such a conundrum to me just because I'm not used to that style of play. I don't know if it's sustainable, but... He did it in the previous season, and we saw how the wheels fell off in the playoffs against the Chargers. They put defensive backs in the box, and Lamar couldn't beat them with their speed. He couldn't run on them, so they forced him to throw it. Well, he couldn't. This season, he was able to make those easy throws, but then you saw in the playoffs that wild inaccuracy which happened during the playoffs last year so that's what's really interesting to me about Lamar because we see this in sports and this is this is the same for basketball as it is for football teams buckle down defensively come playoff time it's just this unwritten rule or thing that happens every single season but I'm curious to see whether Lamar is sustainable or not.
1: Well, Mike, one thing that uh, I got to go back and elaborate on about the uh, the playoff game versus the Titans, um, I don't think Baltimore's offensive coordinator gave Lamar Jackson a chance that game. The reason why I said that is because you got there, you're running the ball, you're dominant, you're doing the things that you've done well all year. And you get to the playoffs, and you're asking Lamar Jackson to step, step i mean drop back forty five fucking times like I mean that was
0: well, I think a big I, part of that too is they panicked. There was a lot of panic, and well, you could sense it watching right, that game
1: right, and they they didn't trust what got them there mm-hmm. um, I think you've seen the exact opposite, kind of what a scary game with the Texans and the Chiefs was going through uh the chiefs didn't panic; they had Patrick Holmes, they stuck to the game plan. The Ravens have Lamar Jackson. They should have stuck to that game plan. Mm-hmm. They should have stuck to what got them there. And guess what? They might not have won, but it would have been a more competitive game. I felt like they just got out of element. I felt like Tennessee Titans came over there and intimidated them. Well, Derrick Henry is – I mean, he, dude, like, that's like tackling a fucking bus, Mike. Like yeah. I mean, like, look, I'm, I'm going to go ahead and say this. I played Division One cornerback for a little bit. I mean – You've seen the guys that we had to tackle. I mean, like, they were like, what, two hundred, you know, 220, 230-pound guys. Those were your heaviest guys. Dude, he's listed as 255, Mike. Fuck that, dude. He's 265, bro. <laughs> he is 6'4", dude,
0: 6'5". Yeah, he's built like a it's brick a fucking, house. Runs he's a fucking powerful forward yeah. playing running back. Let's be and, honest. Uh, you know, when you can run the football like that, when you can use a power run style, or even you see this with San Francisco, there's, that zone run style, but... When you can consistently run on a team, you break their will. And that's the easiest way to just completely throw them off their game. And it's easier said than done, obviously. But uh, I think it was in the San Francisco playoff game, maybe against Green Bay. Eight plays on the drive. All eight were runs. They score a touchdown. And it was at that point you're like, oh, fuck. So it's just one of those things. If you can run the football dominantly on somebody like that, it just breaks their will because you may be behind seven, but because of how much they're controlling you up front, it feels like you're just falling in a quicksand right. and you're down 21. Right. And, you know, the the
1: thing about it is, Mike, going back to what we was always talking about was being a competitor at quarterback um, when you got a guy like that, like Lamar Jackson, like uh, Patrick Mahomes, like one of those guys who's able to elevate your team by just his pure athleticism and his pure elusiveness, you've got to use that to your advantage. And you know, I felt like they they didn't cater to Lamar Jackson's talent that game. Um, it was just a bad. I felt like it was just a bad game for him. You know. Yeah. And this year, you've seen Greg Roman cater to Lamar Jackson's talent, cater to the guys mm-hmm. who's around him. Catered to Mark Ingram. And that's one thing we're talking about, Mike. Going back to even Drew Brees and Lamar Jackson had a similar game. They didn't trust what got them there. Um, And they panicked. Press the panic button, man. They pressed the panic button. You know, Mark Ingram, he he didn't get his touches. He deserved that game, Mike, at all. Yep. You know, you go back and you pay a guy like that, the guy who gets your offense running, who you need to establish your offense of success through, regardless if that guy is getting two yards a pop. He's having success for your offense. Yep. It doesn't show up on the stat sheet. But giving the ball to Mark Ingram, giving the ball to Latavius, interesting helps case, you win man. Games.
0: Yeah. And with Ingram, he's an interesting case because I'm pretty sure he averaged over five yards a carry this year, and I think that's the fourth time he's done that in a season. Yeah. He's 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 really to me one of the most hidden gems as far as running backs go. He never gets the credit he deserves, and he's always one of the best.
1: Well, going back to when he first got drafted by the Saints, Mike, we were always going back. Oh, we got Mark Ingram, but you know he's he's not that good. Mark Ingram is the type of guy you need to give him the ball. He's a he's a workhorse. twenty to twenty-five times a game. Uh, you know he's gonna get his eighteen to twenty traditional carries. Uh he might get his three or four swing passes out the backfield. You know, things a situational ball like that. Maybe get a catch a chuck down or two, but at the same time, Mike, that's who he is.
0: You wanna hear a fun stat on uh on Mark Ingram though? Uh be the year he left the Saints, I was I was looking up Oh god. I was looking up him and Lat Murray's um
1: Oh, we was rushing. all comparing that.
0: Oh uh, yeah, well, <laughs> as soon was, as that sign
1: that came out, we was all comparing. The stats. I, was I was looking like, oh, at, I was looking at here. their
0: rushing analytics. Though and one of the most interesting parts about Mark Ingram. Mm-hmm. So, if you look at every gap on the line from off tackle to the A to the B, you know what his lowest yards per carry was on any of those gaps. No, don't give me a, give me a guess. What a ballpark of what you think his lowest yards per carry was in uh, in one of those gaps? Uh, I'm gonna go ahead and say his off tackle percentage was lowest. Nope, you're wrong. I'm wrong. B gap right side, and his yards per carry was four point five. Huh, that's pretty interesting. That was his lowest. His highest was actually off tackle. Um, left hand side, and I think it was somewhere around six point one. Of
1: course, off of one of the best left tackles. Of yeah, the week.
0: <laughs> but it's run uh, but that, It was interesting, just because I like I've always been a big Ingram fan. Even when they drafted him, it took him a while. It took him two years to really get his feet wet, playing in a you know an RBBC running back by committee. Yeah, and once you saw him started started getting more of those carries, like you talk about. Not necessarily being a, a true workhorse per se, but he was getting the bulk. He was getting the fifteen, sixteen carries, right? And you just saw him and sort of elevate that. his game, right. dude. He's been unbelievable since. Um, so I just wanted to give a quick, uh, quick shout to my boy Ingram because, dude, I love him. And I, mean, I was, it was I'm, a I'm, gut punch for me when he was. Even uh, my mom when, talks about
1: that, you know. To this day, like I'm sure your parents talk. Oh, I wish we had Mark Ingram. Back. I mean, dude, like. He was the ultimate locker room guy. He was the you know just well, what the you Titans, wanted the locker room.
0: The Titans, of course, made fun of oh, that yeah, yeah, yeah. after uh, big because truce, woo woo. Yeah, like dude, big trust. <laughs> dude, he's just one of those guys who's gonna put his teammates over any chance he can yeah, get. Well, but I
1: mean, he's having fun, Mike, and that's an important thing. When you got guys having fun for you, man. You win games. You put yourself in a situation to play in a divisional round playoff game. And that's the reason why those teams were there. You know, they had great locker room chemistry. They had great talent in the roster. And they had great coaches who they liked to play for. So, so
0: final question. MVP Lamar Jackson. Mm-hmm. What does he do next season? Do you think his – now, of course, I'm not holding him to the standard of breaking the rushing record again because that's – I just don't think that's sustainable. But does Lamar Jackson keep up the high level of play and win a lot of games for the Ravens? Well,
1: Mike, I'm going to go ahead and tell you this. I think the AFC North is flipping to the Ravens. Um, The reason why I say that is because I really feel like a team like the Steelers are kind of in limbo right now with Big Ben kind of. He's in, you know, he's in limbo. That's one of those guys we're not really hearing about in the offseason. We're probably going to hear a little bit more about when it comes down to the draft, probably fall camp, things like that. But I think that Lamar Jackson and the Ravens are turning upwards. I, I think that we kind of saw, um, a, you know, just like we said, we saw a bad game from those guys in, in the divisional round. We saw an extremely dangerous Tennessee Titans team coming there and punching them in the mouth. They weren't ready for that. But Lamar Jackson is getting better, Coach. Um, this is going on his third year, man. I mean, the sky's the limit for him. I really think he does play a little bit different than the traditional "Quote unquote" playground quarterback that we've been seeing. Lately. Yeah, I mean I think he's, he's not he's a real. He's not a
0: he's not the a stereotypical quarterback. No. And, um, but one of the things that I do have a lot of respect for this season with Lamar is he he openly said this in the beginning of the season that he listened to a lot of that criticism that he couldn't throw. And that's one of the things he said. He said, you know, I worked on my throwing mechanics. I worked on getting better, being able to complete those passes. He put it on full display this year, and he's earned that MVP award. And I'm pumped for him because I'll be the first to tell you, I was a critic of him. After watching him melt down against the Chargers, I'm like, dude, this guy fizzles out the the league in two more years tops. And then he does this this season. He was unbelievable. He was the most exciting new toy in football this year. So, I'm pumped he got his MVP. And then, you know, you talk about the Ravens controlling the North right now. It's hard not to like a coach like uh, John Harbaugh. Right. So. And
1: that's the thing is that's the difference between, you know, guys like Baker Mayfield or Johnny Menzel, those guys who kind of came in with the same type of playing style, I guess you want call Lamar Jackson. had. Lamar Jackson isn't afraid of admitting his flaws and wanting to get better. You ha- You got a guy like Baker Mayfield making the comments talking about um, he's not gonna see a quarterback coach this spring and you know, he doesn't think he needs to work on those things. Dude you, you were second in the lead in fucking interception. I think you yeah. need to work on something. Um you need to take a step back, look at yourself in the mirror. I really think that you need to, you know, you need to step back and look, man. Like put your pride aside, man, and get better. Like yeah. Who gives a fuck if you need to go sit there and, you know, go spend time with this quarterback guru? You're a first round draft pick for a reason. Uh, they obviously see some raw talent in you and dude you're not tapping into that right now you're a pro you're paid to do this you need to get better you need to figure out a way to get better rather F- than a film room or something figure, figure out a way out. to
0: get better you're gonna be off that be uh, off that, off that be, in, starting spot in right. about a year so and you find
1: yourself in the cfl or the xfl right now man that's i mean yeah without a that's doubt. that's that's where it's going
0: now speaking of head cases so moving on from Lamar Jackson here, oh, let's shit. let's talk about fucking head cases. Um, and I don't say that in terms of Lamar. I, I say that in terms of Baker, like Cortland was just talking about here. But fucking the epitome of head case. If you look up head case in the dictionary, his, pl- his picture is plastered right next to it. Antonio Brown, what a fuck. Freaking downward spiral, this idiot had Jeez. Jesus Christ.
1: Somebody get this help get this man help ASAP. Like, Vontae's
0: perfect ruined his life. I've seen a
1: meme of that. <laughs> I, I felt bad because you know, um, concussions they are a serious thing in football. Like, Absolutely. I'm not gonna go ahead and shy away from that. I mean, they, just look I mean, at Luke
0: Keekley who just retired dude, because of it. But my,
1: I'm gonna go ahead and say this, okay? Those guys are geniuses, and the reason why I say that is because look. At the end of the day, Luke Kickley, he got drafted high. Okay. So he got that initial rookie contract, pretty fatter than a normal rookie contract you'll see in the league nowadays. He signs that big deal after his rookie deal. Is he gonna get another big payday like that? No. Probably not. So why would he go ahead and bash his head in for another what two year deal for seven point five million? Yeah. One point two million guaranteed. (laughs) You might get a roster bonus. Fuck that, dude. He made his money. He made a smart move. He's going to use his brain to make him more money. And he's getting out at the right time, Mike. Yeah. I don't see the Carolina Panthers winning anytime soon in their they future. They went full rebuild. They're, they're, they're in full rebuild mode right now. He's getting out while he can. Yeah. He's getting out while his name is still relevant. And he's going to have some opportunities to go ahead and, and you know affect the Carolina Panthers. Yeah. in some coaching positions, some analyst roles. Things like that. Shout out to him, man. He's, he's using his head. Hell yeah, he's going to yeah, make some I, money I'm I'm for big, himself, and I'm big for that.
0: I'm a big Keekly fan, um, but someone who's not doing that, obviously Antonio Brown. Jesus. So, oh. the timeline of Brown. I mean, where do you want to freaking start with this? I mean, it goes back to Pittsburgh. He starts making the unwanted noise. He goes to the Raiders. That became a big signing. Then he started causing commotion about the helmets. Then he's just not showing up to camp. He meets with Mike Mayock. Then he goes on Twitter about Mike Mayock and what a piece of shit Mike Mayock is. Then he goes to the Patriots. He gets cut by them. Heralds how great the Patriots are. A day later, he's shitting on the Patriots. And, of course, now he's he's in the middle of, he's in the middle of, or I think he, is he, I don't know if he's still under house arrest. I can't follow along, but, a long list of dirty laundry that this dude has just been dealing with for the last calendar year or so. And it's dude, it is absolutely batshit crazy. Did you see the video of him yelling at the cops and his, uh, his ex-girlfriend while the kids are around? I'm just like, dude, you're a How, psycho. Like, I
1: mean,
0: at the end of the day, Mike,
1: we're grown men. We have children. Um, we understand the importance of family. We understand the importance of setting good examples for young you know rather than our kids, rather the kids on the street anything. We're trying to do the best we can. We make mistakes, we have those trials and tribulations, but at the same time, like what the fuck? Like I, I don't I don't really know what to say about it. Um I'm lost for words because A B was one of those guys who you really rooted for uh he was a fifth sixth round pick in the NFL. He got a guy who was chipping on the shoulder, similar to what we was talking about trying to prove himself. Uh Mike Tomlin, kudos to him. He can he needs he needs to be coach of the fucking decade dude, for dealing with that dude for that fucking You know long. what you know what's That's crazy about it? yeah.
0: Like side, side to uh Mike Tomlin here. What's crazy about Mike Tomlin is he needs is, to be
1: coach of the year this year. Dude,
0: I said I I've been saying for years Mike Tomlin is overrated. Absolutely. But this well, year, absolutely. But you know, yeah. Uh, this year I think I I have a new level of respect for uh, Mike Tomlin because he did really well with that Pittsburgh roster that was completely <laughs> depleted. He lost his th- the he lost the killer bees. He lost Le'Veon Bell. He lost Antonio Brown. He lost Big Ben injury, and. He was still competitive. He was still on the brink of the playoffs, so kudos to him. But dealing with those two shit zippers, meaning Bell and Brown for all that time, I don't know how the hell he did it. That dude deserves a medal.
1: No doubt. I mean, when you have personalities like that that you have to constantly, you know, contain, control, whatever you want to call it, I'm saying
0: contain and control because what do you do? Like, Yeah. Because on one hand, I mean, we're not talking about just middle-of-the-road receiver. No. Antonio Brown was the best receiver in football for years. Le'Veon Bell was the best running Running back back. in football for years. And you give them a little bit of a pass because the talent is there. They're not a quarterback, so it's not like they're making enough noise to where it's really going to affect your team, per se. But. Once those two started getting their paydays, started coming up on contracts, that's when you saw the wheels kind of just start falling off one by one. Yep. But, oh, dude, it's crazy. But Antonio Brown, obviously he's on a whole nother level than Bell. Yeah. Bell Bell just wanted his money. Antonio Brown's just a fucking psychopath.
1: Well, dude, honestly, I, I think that Antonio Brown really has a serious issue. I really think he has CTE. My, I don't what... Really, I don't want to go ahead and say uh, that, you know, he he's sick in the head. Yeah, he I'll I'll go like ahead that. and
0: say it. I'll I'll say it. The dude needs to be put in padded rooms dude. and stay there. He does not need to be in the public. You listen to his tirades and just looking at his Twitter account.
1: I'm trying to be nice right now, man. Fuck, I'm right. not. I like mean, he's a I get fucking it, moron. But. but God damn, like, that's, that comes upon a time <laughs> where you gotta calm the fuck down. Like, there's a lot of guys who's, you know, they're reaching out to him and trying to help him, like, like, this is a, this is a, a serious situation. This is, I know a lot of people are sitting there laughing about him. Oh, he's a fucking idiot. Yeah, he might be, but fuck, this dude needs help, man. Like, he's got banged in the head several times. Uh, he's been through a lot of things throughout, you know, his high school career, I'm sure, his college career, I'm sure, that we don't even know about. Yeah. As far as injuries concerns. Um, he needs fucking help, man. Cause there ain't, there, there's no way someone's supposed to be conducting himself like that as Dude, a fucking he, yeah. adult. Without like, a doubt, he's got no screws loose. Like, you've, you've got fucking children, my guy. Like, yeah, what do you think those kids see when they see their daddy on TV acting like a fucking asshole? Well, you're degrading. were you like, well, degrading their fucking mother? You're
0: degrading like, their mother. You're like, yelling at the cops who are getting the mother out of the situation. Like that's fucking because crazy. Because you man. called like, them to. And I just, dude, I don't get that's, it.
1: That's that's heartbreaking for the kids because I'm sitting there and like that's how the fuck are you gonna be remembered yeah. by your kids? You know what I'm saying? Like daddy, oh daddy was an NFL player, but he was a fucking nutcase. Like he couldn't control himself. He had the cops coming this and that. He couldn't control himself on social media. My dad was a Twitter gangster. That's fucking terrible. Yeah. Like, if your dad is on social media, hide me on a keyboard, you're a bitch. Yeah. You don't, like, that's not something that's role model uh, uh, worthy, I will call. Like, right. Like, you, you go back and look and at that stuff. Up, yeah. man. Like, that's unbelievable. And
0: there's a difference between being articulate about it and just being a loose cannon. And, dude, he's beyond loose he's cannon. He's beyond
1: loose. Like, it's, it's to the point where he's just.
0: But we had to we had to touch on a little yeah, Antonio yeah. Brown just cuz that has been such a hot story this year. So
1: let's go back. Let's let's, let's go ahead and, and forward about some hometown shit, man. Like they had a Dude. lot of
0: special seasons this year, man. So let's go ahead and like, Yeah, for sure. So let's uh, let's start with let's keep it with football yeah. uh for right now. Yeah. But LSU LSU. I'm not a big LSU fan. I've already said that on this podcast, but this season was one for the ages. I watched I watched both playoff games. I did watch the Alabama game. I did watch the Texas game. So, those were the four games that I checked out from LSU. And of course, they go into Alabama. You're not exactly sure what to make because you're going into Alabama where you've lost however many years in a row. And they win, they beat Bama. And not only beat them, they broke them. Alabama had no answer. And when I tell you this, that score might have been close, but that game was not close. Mike. LSU bent them over a barrel <laughs> and pounded the shit out of them. They did whatever they wanted. Joe Burrow laid his balls on the table in Tuscaloosa and said, Watch me do work. Try to stop me. I wish you we had that, can't. kid.
1: I wish we had that kid in the New Orleans Saints uniform. <laughs> I, th- I
0: think every I think team every team wished they had, they had that,
1: kid. that kid. But at the same time, like I think LSU really did something special here. I think we've seen one of those best teams. Well, dude, ever I, see? I, I told Long you because you
0: asked me that when you walked into my house before we recorded. Was is LSU one of the best teams ever? And I and I'll say it as much as I loath lSU, I loved them this year. They were so they were fun, fun to watch, watch like Joe this. burrow Coach O, it's a fun atmosphere, but they are the best team in college football oh. history. It's not close. Oh. They beat seven top ten teams by and by an average margin of victory of fifteen points yep. that's more than two touchdowns and two extra points. Like that's, they that's beat them special, by man, an man. average of fifteen, and on top of that, that margin would be a lot worse if Bama didn't have that lucky long play at the end of that game. So,
1: and if they didn't take Burrow out the fucking game,
0: yeah, yeah.
1: <laughs> like I mean, the dude scored at will. Yeah. you know what I'm saying. LSU's offense was something extremely special to watch this year, as, as far as just being on time, as far as having team chemistry. As far as having a character of Dude, you, you know a tiger, like it was just awesome to watch. You had a
0: thousand yard rusher in uh, Edwards Hilaire. You had two, two thousand, thousand yard thousand receivers. receivers with Chase and Jefferson. And you
1: could have had another one with Marshall. Did you have another one, Marshall? How close was he? Because he was pretty close.
0: Actually, I think, they, I, think he, I think he he might was have. Third he one, might right? have. I'm gonna go ahead but, and look that up while you're talking. But go but ahead. The other thing, and I talked about this with Burrow. The most interesting part about Burrow's season, so. We've seen air raid quarterbacks hit the five thousand yard mark, hit the fifty touchdown mark. You've seen guys like Graham Harrell from Texas Tech. Um right. called Brennan, I wouldn't call Cole an Brennan, air raid. LSU. I wouldn't call an air raid offense because he threw a relatively uh, low number of passes, but he played in Hawaii. It wasn't Hawaii. a power five school. June Jones. <laughs> but you had Graham Harrell and you've had you've seen guys have these kind of gaudy numbers, but not on this level, not against the SEC. Burrow had the greatest single season of any college football player I've ever seen. Not the best career, but the best single season. And LSU had the best single season of any team. And for them to go on a storybook run here, they 15-0 with a national championship, Destroying everything in their path it was unbelievable, and like I said, it was just exciting to watch. Yeah, man. As
1: far as true playmakers and and true offensive talent, I think we've seen uh, a match made in heaven as far as just being a perfect fit for everyone. As far as Joe Brady coming in, as far as Steve Smaker coming in, uh, I think those two were, well, those three were a perfect match made in heaven. Um, you have having an old school guy coming in. He's got the roots tied to LSU. Uh, he knows how to play quarterback LSU. He knows what it takes to play quarterback LSU. And Steve Asminger, you got a guy in Joe Brady who's very hungry. He's coming in. He's got something to prove from Ohio State. Well, it's that and
0: fun. You, it's that that fundamental of good cop bad yeah, cop almost. You got youth versus old perfect, school, man. and it's a like, good it's, mix. It's,
1: it's great mixes, man. And you really seen the magic ignited this year, man. And you've seen Joe Brady be able to be himself, that's what you've seen this year. You've seen a guy who had the confidence of being himself and a guy who, you know, enjoyed being a quarterback and being the face of a team. And he he enjoyed being that villain because I really felt like he was a villain this year as far as, you know, being a guy who has something to prove this year, being a guy who was doubted, being a guy who, you know, didn't have enough going his way when he was at Ohio State, being a guy who was benched for, you know, the likings of uh, Dwayne Haskins and those cats, he had opportunity at LSU. Joe Burrow, Ed Orgeron, those guys, talked the way into being one of those teams that will forever be remembered. And what I mean by that, Mike, I mean, my son Heath is five. I brought him to the Arkansas game, and that was one of his best moments of his life. He still tells me that. He's five years old. He's like, dang, that was so much fun. That was the best moment of my life. Guess what? Because... He's seen guys have fun on the field, and he's seen the emotional sideline when guys really play for each other and love each other. And that's the whole special thing about LSU, man. They had guys who really played for each other there, and it was so special to watch.
0: Well, it's hard not to want to play like that when you have a head coach like Coach O, who's just this homegrown Louisiana boy. Right. And he never forgot his roots. That's always going to be a – Uh, an emotional and drawing story. That's always going to be a powerful impact on someone as a player. And as cliche and, you know, as typical as this is of me, but bringing up the same thing with Nichols, you're seeing that with Tim Rebo. You know, these guys in South Louisiana, (laughs) they're playing for homegrown coaches, and that's fucking cool. If nothing else, it's cool. Yeah. Um. You're but able to have your
1: family and your loved ones come and see you play and you're able to have that family atmosphere everywhere you go, regardless if it's in a dorm room regardless if it's in the football field, regardless if it's driving thirty minutes or an hour to your house. You're able to have that feeling even if you live in Texas. those guys at lSU make you feel like you're at home um that's part of recruiting uh that's part of you know the Louisiana vibe regardless if you're playing lSU football. And when you walk into someone's house in Louisiana, Mike, you feel that warmth of just being home and, and just being welcome. And that's the atmosphere that LSU and Coach Orgeron has adapted. That's what he's brought there. And that's what makes those recruits scream to go to LSU.
0: And, do one of the coolest moments, you talk about people sort of adopting and just loving that homegrown style. But one of the coolest moments of this college football season was Joe Burrow. I think it was on senior night. Instead of spelling his name B U R R O W, he spells it with the E A U X at the end. That's really cool just because he, like you said, adopted that lifestyle. And, you know, he talked about that. He's like, dude, this place gave me a chance. And then, dude, his Heisman speech, Jesus, man.
1: It gives you chills, man. Like, yeah, it gives guys. you chills.
0: It brings you to tears. It gives you all the emotions. And that's what. That's the great thing about sports, you know? It it can drive you to the point of happiness um, to where you're overcome with tears, to where that emotion just sort of pours out. And that's that's why I think people like you and me just always love the realm of sports because you see... It brings out the best and it brings out the worst sides of people. So you take the good with the bad because the good is just that damn good.
1: Oh, always overwhelms the bad. You when you have guys like Little Boosie shouting out <laughs> Joe Burrow and shit, man. Like set it, set it off in his motherfucking <laughs> man, like shit like that, bro. It's it's awesome to see when Louisiana is able to bond together and put us put aside all the bullshit. Same thing, I know I'm kind of going off a little bit, but same thing when the Saints are winning, LSU winning, you see the crime rates in Louisiana yeah. drop tremendously. It's a good parallel, dude. It's just a great parallel. So, you want to see Louisiana sports have success regardless of high school level, college level, professional level. Those guys, girls, whoever it is, playing coach, it 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 matters a lot to the people in Louisiana, and the people in Louisiana support it. Going back to even the College World Series... Not the College World Series, excuse me, Little League World Series. One mm-hmm. of those guys from Louisiana went out there and bowled man. Like dude. That's important. What
0: the, oh, shit, man. Let's dive into that for one quick second before we get into another sports arena, which is the Smoothie King Center where the good old New Orleans Pelicans play. But before we dive into that, Little League World Series, dude, that was that was so much fun, dude. That team had a lot of swag. Oh, yeah, um, uh, Dude, Reese Russel, which... I don't know if you know He's he a, goes he, to
1: Lutcher. He's no, at Lutcher now. One of those kids are at Lutcher. Okay. Marshall. No, the kid Marshall. Okay, because I was going to say Reese yeah.
0: Roussel is at St. Charles Bermeo, yeah. Literally two minutes from yeah, here. Yeah, kid Marshall's but, from uh, Lutcher. But, so, but yeah. Reese Roussel, dude, holy shit! What a f- freaking World Series he had like shattered the record for hits. During that kid's a single, made a
1: name for himself. Oh, without right, a doubt. 11
0: dude, years old, man. Dude, it's cool because... I mean, granted, I'm sure some of these kids, and this sounds wrong to say because of how young they are, but they're going to buy their own hype and probably... A few of them might turn into a little bit of a shithead as a result, but it's still as cool. expected. I mean, yeah, like they're, that's they're just eleven what it or twelve is. years old; they, they don't hard know hard. how to they handle hard. that kind handle of success. success sometimes. But
1: grown men don't know how to handle. Now, success. that's a fact. See I mean, Antonio Brown. Uh, um, <laughs>
0: uh, but no, dude, Shots they, fired. they, um, they they were awesome to watch. It was fun. It was cool seeing the videos of them returning home. Uh, coming through the airport, everyone's giving them a standing ovation. Them returning to schools after the series was over, and the schools giving them a standing ovation. Just really awesome watching some young kids succeed and do something great. And then, of course, like it or not, you know, they went to the White House. That's that's a cool moment, regardless whether you like the president or not. Uh, I mean, it's just a part of going, like, I look at it this way, Mike, like, Fuck whoever's in there Like
1: Just go to White House And enjoy the moments Of being you know Around American enjoy, history And just yeah. be, just being there and, and Regardless of what it is You're around with your teammates Make it as what it is
0: Enjoy that fast enjoy food that buffet food.
1: <laughs> uh, uh, I don't think they, they didn't get food this year Oh they, they, didn't they didn't get food They did this year Dude yeah. one
0: of the funniest memes Though that I've seen Is uh White House is better Be preparing heavy For the Andy Reid buffet
1: Whoa, I'll tell you what, there's gonna be a lot of burgers and some uh ketchup going on without ends up happening. But
0: um no going going to another local spot though, the last thing we're gonna talk about before we wrap up this podcast is the New Orleans Pelicans, Zion Williamson. Nothing else mattered until the day Zion made his debut. Now I've told you this on more than one occasion, and I used to tell you this when we do our radio show in college. I don't watch regular season basketball. It's worthless. It's pointless. It doesn't matter because teams don't get serious till after the All-Star break. So once NFL season's over, I'll pay attention to basketball because that's when basketball gets good. And then on top of that, it doesn't even really get great until the playoffs. Teams start buckling down. But I'll tell you why. I watched regular season basketball, which, like I said, doesn't happen often. Zion made his debut, and there was no way in hell I was missing that. This guy is a transcendent star, and in that debut, because he was basically playing on a limited amount of minutes, even in that limited amount of minutes, you saw the LeBron-esque kind of impact he has on the game. Because during that fourth quarter, he scores 18 points, and for I think it was nine straight possessions, he accounted for something on that stat sheet. Whether it was a rebound, whether it was an assist, whether it was a bucket. Oh, he made his he made his presence felt. Oh, dude! And then for, yeah. on top of that, you see him hit that first three. You're like, oh shit, okay. Well, I'm I gonna go ahead it. and
1: tell you this. I was shocked when he shot. He pulled up and shot a three. Now I was like,
0: <laughs> oh wait, wait, no, oh. Oh, okay. 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 Right, exactly. And then you see him then pull then up again. again, and you're like, oh, shit. Okay, it's getting I'm... real. And then three and four, you're uh, like, what the uh, fuck? I'm like, mm, all right, now we got something going on Dude, here. at that point, you're going From a power shift. forward? Yeah. Dude. Who is
1: this muscle-bound freak? You know, I'm like, okay, this guy's got a ball. Dude, so, Zion's a stud, man. And I'm excited for the city of New Orleans, man. I love I love the excitement that he brings to any arena, you know, and that's a, it's very exciting to have a you know athlete in the city of New Orleans that has that type of magnitude, uh, drawing the fans, drawing even the Visitors fans love Zion Williamson, you know. So, well, dude, he's that's a transcendent star. It's, it's awesome to see that the support that the kids get, um, especially this whole New Orleans Pelicans team, like as far as the youth core, um, you got guys like you know, I'm going to say this. I love Alonzo Ball's been doing this year. Oh, without as far a doubt, as he's been healthy. He's been given the New Orleans Pelicans some spark. Nikhil Alexander, like I mean, he's been one of those rookies who nobody's really talking about, but I really think he's a starting point guard. Once
0: he yeah, once once uh once Nikhil starts getting some minutes, I mean, dude, he can dude. definitely be a great two guard. One of the things that I saw from him in summer league, uh, that was very, uh, to me, it was very Jamal Crawford esque. He's, oh, he's
1: got that edge, man. Like, yeah,
0: he's he's a good scorer. He can do a little bit of everything. Mm-hmm. And I can see his ceiling being that six-man-of-the-year right. type guy that right. could be a starter, but he's a gr- guy you would be very comfortable with being your six-man. Right. Um Jackson Hayes. Oh man, still I'm so
1: excited about him. dude. He's man. still like, very
0: he's still very raw, not great defensively, but dude, that pick and roll with him and Lonzo, oh man. Well that not only that, Mike, once a kid gets, you know, NBA
1: wear and tear on him for a little bit for like another year or two, just to kind of get the bangs and get the bruises and things like that, that he needs to have some success, that he needs to be able to mature through and take those aches and take those, you know. Those post moments where you, you know, you grew up or you, you screwed up. Yeah. So um, once that kid gets another year or two underneath his belt, well look out. Because I'm telling you right now, some of those posters that he's not finishing and he's not connecting with, he's going to connect. Oh, yeah. And it's going mean, to be nasty.
0: And that's the other thing you're talking about with these kids, too. They're just that. They're, They're young kids. kids, man. 18, 19 years old. Right. Late, they can't, they like, can't even legally drink. No. Yet. But um,
1: these kids walking down Bourbon just looking at the stores, you know, like they're not even walking in because they can't get in. You know, that's 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 what it is. But guess what? Those kids are growing up in New Orleans. And I really think we have a core group in New Orleans Pelicans that likes being in
0: New Orleans. Well, do you one of the things that I <laughs> before I before I talk about this with Zion, one of the funniest videos I saw was him walking into the boot Um <laughs> I was just like Jesus Christ, dude! Like the boot. But he fits in though, cause
1: he's that's he's how old he young. is. Yeah, like, it's like his he can crowd. probably pick up a little girl from from Tulane because <laughs> yeah. I mean he's that young, you know. But dude, like before we move on, I gotta give this guy the respect he deserves, and I'm gonna ask you a question after this. Brandon Ingram needs to get a max contract ASAP. Amen. In New Orleans. Amen. Um, go ahead and ink him to that deal. I'm going to go ahead and say that on the record. You need to give him that deal. Whoever's listening, give him that deal. David Griffin, give him that fucking deal. Where you at? Where you at? (laughs) But I'm going to go ahead and ask you this question because I'm going to go ahead and tell you what I think. I think Drew Holiday is a trade candidate. Oh, without a doubt. Without a doubt. I think he's one of those guys. I'm not going to say this. I love love Drew.
0: And I think most of the city in New Orleans does, but... Get the capital while you can, because you gotta get it. You gotta he's getting. Yeah, he's getting up there. I mean, he's he's no a spring chicken, to go win, man. Like, yeah. And, and
1: the thing that I'm talking about, and the reason someone why I can use up, him exactly, man. The reason why I brought him up is because I really think Nikhil Walker can do like. Yeah, Nikhil Alexander Walker, dude, is yeah. a stud, and he's he's, a he's stud, man. He deserves more minutes. Um, I think you got a guy like Lonzo Ball. Like, I think Lonzo Ball is. Going to be able to be the leader of this team if you allow him to be the leader of that team.
0: Well, dude, and the good thing is you get him, uh, you get him another Josh big Hart. surrounded. <laughs> yeah, Josh Hart's been unbelievable. Dude. So
1: like, that's what I'm. You're so yeah. guard heavy. Like, yeah. what do you do? Like, yeah. you have a guy like Drew Holiday who is expendable. The reason why I say that is because yeah, he's going to give you maybe twenty five to thirty a night sometimes, maybe thirty five on a great yeah, night. Yeah, I think
0: he was actually going off while we were recording this. But guess what? We're nineteen and twenty nine with him.
1: We're getting better. He's getting older. Yeah, the team is getting younger. Do you well, understand my chemistry? No, absolutely. that's the thing
0: that. too that it, saying trade Drew Holiday is not a knock on Holiday. No. it's playing the long game. It's playing the long and game. You know, it's interesting you bring this up because one of the things I get knocked for from a couple of people um, is I said when the Saints were after their third seven and 7-9 season in a row, I was saying, why don't they just trade Drew Brees for the draft capital? You could still probably get a first, uh, or definitely a first and more, maybe a second first form. Why not do it? Strike while the iron's hot. Because at that point, it didn't look like the Saints were trending upward in any sense of the word. They were missing on draft picks. They couldn't put together a full season. I was just like, screw it. Who cares? Um, but in a different breath i i feel similar to holiday and a lot of people i think feel that way is and and again it's just not a knock on holiday it's like all right well let's play the long game here um but yeah you know uh one of the things i want to touch on now that i've answered your question about holiday zion mm-hmm. one of the things that i love about him more so than his game is what he's got going on between the ears. Yeah, he's He's, Oh, my God. For a 19-year-old kid. He's got that much money. (laughs) Yeah, he's unbelievable. I love his character. I love his his humility. And I think the point where I really kind of heard what I needed to hear from him. So, he gets pulled in the midst of a fourth quarter comeback, in the midst of him being on the hottest of hot streaks. He gets pulled because the training staff went to Gentry and said, hey, he's at his cap, get him out now. And they do. And as a coach, you don't want to do that. As a player, you don't want to come out of that situation. You want to will your team to victory. Well, he gets robbed of that because of the injury, because they're playing the long game. It's a smart, smart move. And you could visibly see Zion was pissed. The fans were pissed and when he was asked about it after the game, he just was like, you know, when you're in the heat of the moment, it was something along the lines of when you're in the heat of the moment, obviously I wanted to play, I want to win, but it was the smart move, you know, basically trying to work my way back to health, and that's what's really cool. So in the heat of the moment, he's, of course, pissed, but then 30 minutes later, He's doing his interview in the post-game presser, and he's looking at the big picture. He's separating the emotion and playing the longevity. So that's what I like, too, is, okay, cool, I'm going to you know, support this decision um, no matter what. When, I, when he says, you know, we're playing a long game here— you could feel that it was there was genuineness to it. You know? It wasn't just, hey, I'm just gonna say this because I'm talking to the media. No. I, I think Zion's a very, very genuine dude. So
1: Well that goes back to, you know, what we were talking about. We have a young core in New Orleans who wants to be in New Orleans. Yeah. And he's one of those kids who wants to be in New Orleans. Yeah. Like he, he understands the importance of, you know, going to a place, establishing yourself and being loyal and you know he's he's
0: he's understanding that, and that's huge for a nineteen year old. Well, that's what's cool about this new generation too, and I I love this past NBA draft because of the personalities. One of my favorite moments was uh, is it Kobe White who was drafted by Chicago, uh, point guard? His teammates gets drafted uh, yep. earlier than they expected, and dude, you just see his face light, light up. up, light up, and he's like, "Wait, what?" And he goes on this just oh, awesome rant.
1: Wow.
0: He's like, dude, that's love. That's love, bro. And he's just given all the respect in the world to his teammates. And he was just like, dude, y'all don't know how hard Cam works. He deserves this. And that's what's cool about the new generation. There is that respect across the board, but there's also that competitiveness. It seems like the the newer generation, um, guys like Damon, people like that, they saw what happened with Durant. They saw what happened with LeBron. They jump ship and they get shit on by the echo chamber. And I think as a result of that, because of how talented the NBA is now, too, you know, the best athletes in the world are not playing football anymore. They're certainly not playing baseball. They're playing basketball. Mm-hmm. So the talent pool, as it continues to get deeper, I think guys are becoming that much more competitive to where they're going to want to stay with teams right. longer. Right. They're not getting drafted, looking to get out immediately. They want to try to build their own legacy because you see it with Jordan. He's the ghost that can never be achieved. It's, Oh, well how many rings he got, bruh? So I think they're trying to establish a new blueprint of what is success in the NBA. And I think that's cool.
1: Well, you see a guy like Brandon Ingram coming down here and pressing the reset button. He's an all-star reserve. That's huge for a guy who was, you know, living under the shadow of LeBron Basically, LeBron's stepchild uh, in the Lakers organization last year. I feel like Josh Hart, Lonzo Ball, and Brandon Ingram were LeBron's unwanted stepchildren. Um, he made that known. Um, and that's fine. But at the same time, like, you give those young guys an opportunity to shine. And those young guys want to play. And the guys want to make a name for themselves no matter where it's at. They want to play ball. They draft it because they want to play ball. Not because they want to build this fucking super team and be part of this. Fantasy, uh, fantasy dream that people think it is. I'm gonna go ahead and say this. Yeah, Golden State Warriors. I'm gonna go back to that and say they were a fantasy team. But let's go back and talk about this, Mike. They were built in the fucking yeah, draft. Yeah, they were. They were built in draft. Built. It draft. wasn't
0: free agent. It the wasn't only. Free- no, the only one that jumped there was Iggy, and it was well past his prime. Gave them some veteran presence, and then you had Durant. which right, but you always gonna have those nice free agent signings, yeah, those and, key role guys. And Durant was a freak incident because there was no, and this is why this gets talked about in the NBA is restructuring rookie contracts based on performance. Because it was a freak incident where they had the capital and the draft or uh, the cap room to sign Durant. That doesn't really happen. happen often, yeah, so they they were able to do that because they drafted so well, and of course they formed this super team. Which, I mean, as far as teams go, there's no team that was as dominant in league history. They got to the postseason. They just freaking ran, ran away with it. So, um, but yeah, and as far as that happening again, dude, that was a freak. Absolute freak incident for them to be able to land Durant. So I don't think that happens again. But um other than that, man, I think we've touched on all of our key points. And uh
1: I gotta fun, say, man, man
0: that dude, that was fun. It's the it, dude, it's been so damn long since we got to do this and just sit down and talk sports, and I think we've polished. This might have been a two-and-a-half, three-hour episode, but who cares, man? That was fun. That was fun. I'm going to listen to this in its entirety. Yeah, it was, <laughs> I can't wait. It was really wait. fun,
1: man. I was actually you know, thinking about it when we were there, and I was thinking about it, you know, just the amount of time that you spend preparing yourself or just being able to live as an athlete, coach athletes and stuff like that. Uh, it's truly a blessing um, as far as giving back to – you know, the youth and showing us guys who Zion are, showing us guys who the Joe Burrows are. I was able to bring a couple of kids who were underprivileged kids to games and stuff like that. And watch those kids' face light up and um it showed me how much athletes and things like that really have uh impact on these young kids' lives. And um you know sports man
0: it brings people together absolutely it's a tight-knit community and kids can look at those guys and say well that could be me right it gives them that little sense of hope gives them that hope and you know with you as a coach i think it's admirable and i think it's awesome what you're doing because i know you i've heard parents say this about you um you know through people we know that you've coached stuff like that but just how much you care about those kids dude like that's stuff that lasts a lifetime, you know? Well, yeah, yeah you we what. posted this picture on Instagram um, of us doing this. We, we basically did a recreation of a picture we took in college, posted on Instagram. You know, the first person to comment on it's good old Coach Dillon, who we used to Shout work for. Shout out to Coach Dillon. Dude, the man. The man. He, uh you know, he was our he was our boss, so to speak, at Nichols. Yeah, he, was. he was the video uh-huh. coordinator. We worked under him. We kind of followed his lead and tried our best to make him look good. Um, but you know, Coach Dillon's one of those guys who you know, we may we may not talk to him as much as we'd like, but, dude, we see him. There's no love lost, and it's like yep. we haven't had a seven-year gap since seeing
1: him. Well, the impact lasts forever. You know, a guy who is genuine with you, he's, he's really respects you, you respect him. Yeah. Going back to the whole respect thing, as far as, you know, playing for a coach is respectable. Absolutely. Uh, those guys remember that for a lifetime, you know, and that's the one thing that, you know, I, myself, hope I can uphold myself to, and uh, that's just one of those things – well this is yourself as <laughs> ultimate goal for.
0: Well for me dude, and it's crazy cuz I mean I've told you this, I washed out of sports. I didn't play high school ball in any in any sport. I w- I played baseball growing up and by the time I was a sophomore, I quit during my sophomore year to take a radio or a PA opportunity from a high school softball team just cuz I'm like, well fuck, dude, I'm sitting the bench. I hate my coaches. I don't like what I'm doing. And you know hindsight's twenty twenty a lot of that's probably on me. I'm you know we talked about the youth in sports I mean, as a fourteen year old kid I can tell you right now, I could probably go back be an athlete and be a better athlete just from a mental standpoint just because I have a totally different outlook it's dude, it's tough, and I think now. I, I wish I always think about this. I wish I played today versus back then because back then you had more old school coaches. Mm-hmm. Now you have that new age of players coaches, and it'd be interesting to see. Just very cause, interesting. Because, cool. dude, I'm I'm the type of guy I, like I can respond to criticism. I'm a very self aware person, but the second you get in my face, yell at me if you did anything wrong throughout the course of a game, and I can see that, I'll pick it apart. But, um. Like I said, man, I think it's awesome what you're doing. And uh, another thing I'd like to point out, you know, we had our fun run with uh, Nichols Intramuros for a little bit there. Uh, and, uh, you know, I'm the... Uh, you remember the good old days of Mikey football?
1: Mikey football. <laughs> <laughs> Christophs gave you a shout-out.
0: Oh, dude. Oh, Chinese man. Times. I tell you what, man, If you're gonna, if you guys are just going to fuck around... You're gonna be out there on the intramural field with Mikey Hottard.
1: Oh, shout Jesus. out to Stubbs.
0: Shout out to the Stubbs is a good dude, man. What the fuck is he doing? So, man. I don't know, man. But he was a good dude. He couldn't win at Nichols, but he was a good dude. He took care of us. Yeah. But um, no, man, it was fun. And uh, you know, one of the things that I will say, you got the coaching going. I still got the playing going. And as long as they are recruiting, I'm not gonna stop playing. No.
1: Well, I'm going to tell you what, I kind of hung my cleats up and I'm just enjoying coaching the young bucks and, yeah. you know, just, just motivating those guys to be better people.
0: Corlin, before we wrap this up, dude, you want to know what I'm averaging a game in my basketball league? What's up? In my glorified beer league? I'm averaging 16 and a half points oh a game. How God. do you feel about that? You man? know, the, you know what the crazy thing is? You actually probably average that out like every night.
1: You write your stats down. Oh, uh, dude. I You got so, your assists down too. You got your... You
0: so, know. it's funny. I, uh... That's couple the, of a couple of a couple of seasons ago I had one of the guys on my team just be like dude you inflate your fucking numbers I'm like <sighs> I'm like you don't understand I have a photographic memory when it comes to sports I can remember the rebounds I can remember the assists I can remember plays like you see these you see LeBron and stuff like memorize what happened on specific plays and because of my attention to detail in sports I have that same kind of quality when I'm playing sports so just to prove this fucking guy wrong. Uh, and I told one of my other buddies this, I'm like, you know what, dude, I'm going to, I told my buddy, I'm like, I'm going to literally keep track of all my stats. And then I'm going to post them every single fucking week just to fucking piss him off. And I did. Um, and it, and it was funny. Cause he's still like, I think you inflate your stats. And I literally sat there one night and I, and I mentioned every single spot on the floor that I took a shot that night. And he was just like, that was bullshit i'm like all right dude yeah you're right i'm just making it up like i was just like yeah dude whatever but nah man sports are sports are fun sports are what tied people together it's what tied you and us together uh from you know good old Nichols football videographer to canis you to it all dude and it was fucking awesome talking to you again man so it was fun i appreciate you coming to uh the good old $4.2 million podcast studio. Oh, yeah. You know, a lot of Funkos in here. Probably $4.2 million worth of Funkos in here. <laughs> but, uh, nah, man, it was fun. I appreciate you coming on. And for all of those who listened, especially if you listened to it in its entirety, it was a long fucking road, and I appreciate it. So does Cortland, And for my buddy, Cortland, I'm Mike Hotzard. Thanks for tuning in. As always, yep. honor the huddle. Thank you for tuning in to the Hotard Huddle Podcast. Stay up to date with all the latest episodes released on the 1st and 15th of every month at HotardHuddle.com. Follow us on Facebook and Instagram at HotardHuddle.